And now, introducing the Danny Tanner of Baltimore sports, wake up Baltimore, he is Glenn Clark. It's a giant bummer, man. Got uh, a few con opportunities, including, uh, let's say twice in studio. Over the years, the various shows I've been involved with had uh, Bob Saget on uh, quite a few times, and... You know, it was just a real bummer, man. Like, he was so uproariously funny. I shared um, last night on, on Twitter my favorite Bob Saget line. The first time I ever had him on a in-studio for a show, he was talking about, he was playing uh, the improv, and he, I, I was like, I, I genuinely, I had no idea. I, I was the rube. This is like 2005, 2006, somewhere in that. I was the rube that didn't know how bloody funny Bob Saget was as a stand-up comedian at that point. I just didn't know. I knew Bob Saget the way that so many people knew Bob Saget, just as Danny Tanner. And he laughed at me, and he was like, you know, this is people regularly are quite disappointed when they come to my shows. And I was like, really? He's like, oh, yeah, they get very disappointed. I'm like, why is that? He's like, because they literally think they're coming to watch me dust-busting. Like, they think that they're coming to watch me be America's dad. <laughs> like, that's what they think that I do. And then, you know, obviously, if you ever saw the uh, the aristocrats, for example, you know that wasn't necessarily what you were getting at a Bob Saget show. So that sucked, man. That was just a real bummer. Um, very funny. Very, very funny, man. And, and, you know, I only had a couple interactions with him, but everybody in that world uh, raves about how wonderfully kind he was. So that uh, that sucked. That sucked. But good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. Thank you to those of you that joined us for the final Project Game Day of the season yesterday. <sighs> I'll miss that show. I love doing it. Um, I mean, you could still do one. No, we couldn't. There would be no <laughs> point to it. <laughs> there are no game days. But, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us all season long. We'll look forward again to bringing it, running it back in 2022. It's been brought to you all year by... Uh, underdog fantasy football and glory days grill of course glory days grill with the smoky thigh wings nick kelly was telling me this weekend that he made a trip over to glory days grill to pound some smoky thigh wings this weekend i have been trying to tell you that if the wing shortage continues and if at some point traditional chicken wings go away altogether we will all be disappointed but honestly i'm gonna be all right like kendrick lamar because Glory Days Grill Smoky Thigh Wings are as good, nay, better than 90% of chicken wings. that it, No, 95. There is the, the top echelon, like the highest level of chicken wing that maybe is as good. If, you know, maybe a couple that are better. But that's how good Glory Days Grill Smoky Thigh Wings are. Uh, they've thrown in some Alabama barbecue sauce, and if you know what we're talking about, you know how good that is. That's available on the seasonal menu. Also, of course, the comfort classics like the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the short rib grilled cheese sandwich. They're all available right now at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com. I'd much rather talk about last night's football game because it was just effing wonderful right up until the part where uh, the Steelers get to go to the playoffs and Justin Herbert doesn't, which I was trying to come up with like a comparison for that. I, I, was, I was trying to work around this. It would be like Silk Sonic finally decides to go on tour. Y'all know how good them dudes are. They finally decide, we're going to go on tour. And you manage to get tickets. 
And let's just say it's like a even at a smaller venue. Let's say they play like the Meyerhoff, right? And like you manage to get tickets. Holy crap. And then the night of the show, they're like, sorry, Silk Sonic couldn't make it, but since you're all here, ladies and gentlemen, here's Coolio. <laughs> That's the comparison that I came up with for the drop-off from Justin Herbert to Ben Roethlisberger being in the playoffs. It's the most fun you could ever have. It's a six-year-old at Hershey Park to, oh, to like a 75-year-old at Hershey Park. <laughs> God, it just sucks. What in the blue hell was Brandon Staley thinking? Yeah, I, look, look, I don't think, I really do, in my heart of hearts, I don't think it matters. I still think it was dumb, and... I, I think it matters because they missed the playoffs because of no, it. No, I don't think it's the reason why they missed the playoffs. I I I know that everybody's like fortified by uh, Derek Carr saying like, yeah, it changed our thought process. I, it, no, nothing the Raiders were doing there was suggesting that they were taking a knee and letting the game in. They were lined up in the shotgun. They were calling a play. That we're being over dramatic about the timeout. Now it's still silly. Like there's no reason for him to take it. Other than the Raiders appear to still be trying, and if they're trying, then you better have your defense set up because you'd rather them be kicking a 55-yard field goal than mm. a, a 50-yard field goal at that point, right? Like, I, I, I understand that we all wanted the Raiders to be playing for a tie, and understand that Derek Carr like was was sort of ambiguous and and left there to be room in this post-game interview. But nothing about what was actually going on suggests the Raiders. I know, we're all trying to, whoever the player was that was talking to Austin Eckler, like, ah, oh, that proves that they were going to take a knee. No, it doesn't. Th- we watched. They were lined up not to take a knee mm-hmm. with four seconds on the play clock. Oh, I never thought they, they were, were taking running, a knee. They were running a play. If you think that they, like, got pissed off because the Chargers took a timeout and that's the reason why, I don't buy that for a second. And as many people have pointed out, I absolutely believe the Raiders at that point said, if we kick a field goal, we can face the Bengals next week and facing the Ch- instead of facing the Chiefs. Let's do that. Yeah. I, I don't believe for a second. I, it's still weird. I get it. It's still weird. But we are trying to pretend like it was the reason why that, they lost the game. The reason why they lost the game is because they got gashed by the run, and they couldn't stop the run to save their lives when the game was on the line. That's why they lost the game, because they, they knew the Raiders were running the ball, because that's the part that's true. The Raiders were not going to throw the ball there. Right. They were not going to take any risk. That's where the tie came into play. They were not going to take a risk of doing anything where the ball could be picked off and returned for a touchdown, and now they're out of the playoffs. But they were going to run the ball to try to set up a field goal. They were going to take a reasonable risk. Let's run the ball, set up a field goal. You know they're running the ball. You literally have your cornerbacks playing nine yards off their wide receivers. Yeah. You know they're running the ball, and you still couldn't stop it. That's why you're out. Yeah, that's true. It's that's true. why you're out. It sucks for us because Justin Herbert is just so wonderful. Like It's just <laughs> such a joy to watch that dude play football. Like I could watch him play. I, I said I want... I've said before I wanted a Yule log and it's just A.J. Dillon running. Now I want a Yule log and all I wanted to be is Justin Herbert throwing the ball. I just want to watch Justin Herbert throw the football for the next eight months when football season ends. How long is it between the Super Bowl and the first? Seven months. I want seven months of a YouTube uh, channel that's just Justin Herbert throwing the football. That when I'm, feel- when I'm feeling at my lowest and missing football, I can just click on it and be like, ah, 
That's what I want because it's that joyful and joyous to watch the man play football. Um, but the, the the timeout thing, yes, silly, but not the reason. Not the reason. Not the reason at all. Just just a silly thing that we've it it gave all of us that are conspiracy theorists plenty of. Uh, ammo to say, ah, oh, they wouldn't have called it. Stop. The Raiders were trying. They were still trying to win the football game. Um, so you think that they, either way, they would have gotten down to about two seconds and called a timeout and tried to kick? I think they were trying the field goal, yes. Yeah. I think okay. they wanted, and I, I, I think they would have tried it from, fi- I think there was a limit to how long they would have tried it from. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if it was a 58, 59, 60 yarder, right? Like, maybe they reconsider at that point. But 55 and in, their kicker's really good. Yeah, um, he is. He's very good, and I think that's a big deal. Like, I think if they had the Chargers kicker, they might not like. They might have said anything beyond forty-five. We're not trying it. But with their kicker, I think they were going to try it. One, because it's the nature of competition. Like when you're a football team, you try to win the game, and two, because there was an inherent advantage to them in their minds of winning the football game, of saying we'd probably rather face Cincinnati than Kansas City. Now, I don't know if that's going to prove to be true. I don't know if they're going to be better off facing Cincinnati than Kansas City. Kansas City needed a damn near miracle to beat a, a, a crap Denver team two days ago. So I don't know if they're really better off facing Cincinnati than Kansas City. But they played Kansas City twice this season. They got their asses handed to them in both games. Very true. So I could understand wanting to avoid Kansas City in the playoffs. I could certainly get that and wouldn't blame them whatsoever for prioritizing that over taking a knee, which was a bummer to the rest of us because it would have been delightful and kept Steelers out of the playoffs. But it's what it is. So I want to ask you a question. I'm not going to ask you if you breathe a sigh of relief because that's not your style. That's not who you are. Mm. Um, but what was your feeling the Ravens lose that game mm-hmm. yesterday, and then the Dolphins go out and they beat the Patriots. Yeah, so, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter anyway. anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I'm in a weird place. We talked a lot about it, obviously, on the the post game show last night, and I'm I'm writing more about the big picture situation for the Ravens today at PressBoxOnline.com. I I can't pretend like the fan in me. There's two foot. When I when I say what I'm saying about the Steelers versus Justin Herbert being in the playoffs, that's not a Ravens. You know, I hate the Steelers thing. That's a genuinely the football product isn't as good that the Steelers put out as what Justin Herbert puts out in a quarterback driven league, right? Like the Steelers run the ball really well, and you know they they did what they needed to do in order to get into the playoffs. This is not me saying we should litigate and try to put another team in or that they don't deserve it or they don't belong. It's just a sheer entertainment thing. The Chargers have a more entertaining product because they have Justin Herbert as their quarterback. So I would rather watch them. But there's still the the, the guy that, you know, from when I was 13 years old, the Baltimore Ravens arrived, and for a long time I was just sheerly a fan. I had no obligation to think critically about them. I could just be a fan for the first Almost 10 years of their existence, you know, maybe eh, actually more than almost almost 10 years, not quite 10 years, but the first 10 years of their, their existence, I was nothing but a fan. And yes, that's been clouded since then. Like, I'm still a fan. My kids are being brought up as fans. Like, there's still that still exists. That's still real. My wife is very much a fan and I still prefer them to win. But I have to just be more um, a little bit more critical in how it is that I view them. Right. But there's still that part of me that exists, and the part of me that didn't have to go away is the part where I could, like, hate the Steelers, right? Like, I don't have to cover the Steelers, so I can still enjoy doing that. So it does bug the S out of me that I have to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers 
come into Baltimore, win a football game, and get to go to the playoffs because of it. Like, th- there won't be a day where that's something I'm just okay with. I'll never mm-hmm. be okay. It's a nature. Why be a fan if that doesn't bother you or irk you in some sort of way? Um, it's Again, it doesn't mean they don't deserve it. It doesn't mean I'm trying to say they shouldn't be in. It's just that's it bothers me, and I... I'm 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 okay admitting that. Like there, uh, being a sports fan, so some people do this. Where they're like, I just don't hate teams. Like, what is the point of being a fan, man? Like, right. I don't get that. Hate the Red Sox, hate the Yankees, hate Duke, hate the Steel. Like that's that's the thing. Of course, everybody hates Duke. It's not just people locally. Um, so it bothered me, sure. And I, it's a bummer that not that I really wanted to see the Colts get into the playoffs either, but like. Would it solved a lot of problems if the Colts could have just won that stupid football game? Uh, wouldn't have to deal with any of these things. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, the argument of like, well, you know, aren't, isn't it better that they just lost because the Dolphins lost anyway and now they get a higher draft pick? No. No, I mean, I, don't, the, the higher draft pick, it's so funny to me because I'm the guy that screams about the higher draft pick thing. Once they're eliminated... When you still have a chance, I want you to win every game. Yeah. There's never a world when you have a chance where I want to see you lose a football game. In part because it allows the mouth breathers. Like there was a lot of a lot of the mouth breathers are doing the bit where this organization's only won one playoff game in the last seven years. Are you okay with that? There's been a lot of that. It's perfect for Twitter, right? Because it's not it's factually accurate and it's completely devoid of context. And it's it's hit and run, right? Like, you can just throw it out there. It's true. People can't debate the factual nature of the Baltimore Ravens having won one playoff game in the last seven years. They can't debate that, right? But, of course, it utterly misses context, which is that those same people meant a great deal of them. If you had asked them after 11 games this season, hey, do you think the Ravens are in good shape to win a playoff game this year? They would have said, yes, I feel great about their chances of winning a playoff game or multiple playoff games this year despite everything they had been through even at that point. They're completely ignoring the context of what happened this season. They're pretending like there's some sort of turmoil within the Ravens organization that doesn't exist. We're all bummed about the team losing six straight games. Every single one of us. It sucks. It's a bummer. But we also all know what happened. I I made another... A quip in this column that's going to come out today. Uh, so uh, you probably saw. Unfortunately, our 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 dog passed away this week. We're very sad about that. Fourteen years of this wonderful dog. We loved her. We have a second dog. Our second dog. His name is Maddie, and we adopted Maddie in 2020. And Maddie, like so many dogs, loves people food, right? And so sometimes Mrs. Clark and I will go get some smoky thigh wings from Glory Days Grill, bring them home feed the kids, put them to bed, and then we'll sit down and we'll pig out on some smoky thigh wings and we'll sit in the living room, put MasterChef Junior on the TV and, and hang out and, and, and have that type of night, right? And when we do, Maddie, our, our dog, will, will be around the table and will very, start sort of whining a little bit because she wants the food, right? Like, it's very obvious that's what it is. But yet my wife, for whatever odd reason, whenever this occurs, will say things like, what's wrong, Maddie? You want to go out? Can you not find your toy? Like we know what it is. She wants the food. I said, Margaret, she wants the food. What? What's? What's the problem? I, are, are you okay? Are you feeling sick? She wants the food, right? Like it's so. And that's the way that I feel when I'm talking to Ravens fans about. What well, is it? Is it? Is it the offensive coordinator? It's all the players getting hurt. 
Well, it, is it that they, the, the general manager is not doing It's all the players getting hurt. Is it the head coach? It's all the players getting hurt. We know what happened this year. It's boring. I get it. It's much more fun to try to fire everyone. But that's what happened. All of the players got hurt. They had the Detroit Lions roster, except worse in some areas, and tried to win with it. And couldn't. These weren't the Ravens. This was a group of people wearing purple that the announcers referred to as the Ravens and John Harbaugh coached, but they weren't the Ravens. We know what happened this year. It sucks. It's a bummer. It's no fun. And you want to try to make yourself feel better by saying, hey, but they got the 14th pick. Okay, feel better about it. That's okay. I don't. I don't really care. You know, say hurrah. We got. We're picking 14. Crazy that the Ravens finished last in the division, and yet the Browns are picking higher than them. No, I mean that's just the tiebreaker scenario. Yeah. I mean that's not. That doesn't. You know, it, it, it's that's sort of a what it is type of deal. Yeah. Um. Be be mad about it. I or be be feel bad. I don't. I don't. Whatever. I hope the Ravens use the 14th pick to find a particularly special player. You know, I, I'm starting. We'll start doing our weekly draft segments this week because that's the reality of the circumstances the Ravens are in. They're out. So now we talk about the draft. That's the way it goes. Um, and we'll do that every week between now and the NFL draft. And we'll start putting prospects on. And we'll start getting to know the guys that might be the next group of Baltimore Ravens. Um, and I wish we were talking about a playoff game. I'd prefer to be doing that. But that's what we'll do because that's what's going on. There's also Maryland basketball, so we could talk about that. Um, I, I, I'm I'm bummed that the Ravens lost. I'm bummed that the Ravens missed the playoffs. I'm bummed the Steelers are in the playoffs. I I also know what happened. I can't get worked up about any of it. Um, you know, the only big takeaway is I still think there were a few of you that believed that Tyler Huntley was a starting quarterback in the NFL, and you know. Obviously, that's that, that's over now, and I'm I was never one of them. I never believed that Tyler Huntley was. It's not. It was one thing. Com, the comparing Tyler Huntley to Lamar Jackson was bat s insane. But there was also a group of you that wasn't doing that. You were trying to do this, you know, like math equation. Yeah, but if you pay this man this much and this, it was all stupid. It was all just so bloody stupid. Look, Tyler Huntley was was god all. I'm gonna try. You know, we'll do slaps later. I think you know where I'm going. He was god awful yesterday, and he was he was bad the week before that. And he's not a starting caliber NFL quarterback, and that's okay, right? Like that was a an unfair expectation to have for someone who was an undrafted free agent, for someone that when scouted, there were things that people genuinely knew about him that he couldn't do. And after he played a couple of games and there was more on tape, it was far easier for more teams to say, oh, oh, okay, we see what you want to do because that's what you can do. We'll take it away. And that doesn't mean that Tyler Huntley can't be your backup quarterback. He can come back next year, and and I don't think you need to bring in competition. As I've said a million times, if you have to have your backup quarterback play for more than a couple of games, you're probably screwed. There are very few teams that can survive having to have their backup quarterback play for 
more than, say, four games, maybe at the most, and survive that. So Tyler Huntley can probably help you survive a couple of games if he had to play. But you got your answer. We can stop that now, stop the nonsense, and get on to the part where you have to pay Lamar Jackson. Which is, to me, I, I don't know, maybe there will be a change, a, a significant coordinator change, maybe. I don't know that. Maybe there will be. I, I, don't, I wouldn't bet on it. To me, I think that's the big thing that exists for the Baltimore Ravens. Is just get this done. Stop messing around. Stop trying. Just figure out what the number is. Pay Lamar Jackson and now make your decisions moving forward as an organization knowing what it is that you're paying Lamar Jackson. Decide who that might cost you otherwise. Get that taken care of now. And go from there. And if that means that you decide, hey, if we pay him, we're not going to be able to pay Hollywood Brown X amount of dollars. Okay, well, then maybe you should start looking at trading him. But get that done. Just get it done as quickly as you possibly can. Don't allow this to be something that continues to linger. Don't try to get cute. Hey, well, let's have him go. Pr-. Stop. Just pay Lamar Jackson already. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Mike Nolan, of course, former NFL head coach, former Ravens defensive coordinator, part of the Ravens broadcast team, back with us here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Sure. Good morning, guys. Good to be on with you. It's good to chat with you. Coach, we're just talking about I, – I, I get that like when a team – when an NFL team loses a bunch of games in a row, um, there's always going to be a group of people that wants there to be you know, panic in the streets and this is unacceptable and all blah, 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 blah. I, I would like to think that uh, separated, those of us with functional brains are able to say this was insane and we know the story of what happened this season and it's a bummer but we can't overthink it and we can't pretend like there's some problem within this organization. They had half a roster get hurt and they were trying to win with a JV team as the season went on. <laughs> a JV team, huh? The, um, uh, you know, you, you can't... Uh, the thing, what injuries occur a lot of times, which is what they face throughout the year, and I think obviously that played into... To, uh, to their season and they're losing at the end of the season. But uh, you don't want to entirely dismiss all your deficiencies just because of injuries because everyone has injuries during the year. And, and the objective in the offseason is obviously to get better. And if you blame everything on injuries, you're not going to get any better and you're going to have the same problem a year from now, only with a, with a lesser roster. You know, I think what it proved um, down the stretch was that is – that, uh, Number one, the good side of it approved is that, look, even with a depleted roster, this team can continue to play to the very end with a chance to win. Um, and they did that time and time again. Uh, in a negative context, someone could look at that and say, well, you know, the good teams win the close games and the, lose, and the bad teams don't. Right. That's right. But when, you're, when you have so many injuries, I think you've got to put yourself in that category that you weren't the better team going down the stretch. But it did prove that they can continue to comp- uh, compete with a lesser roster because, again, it gets back to personnel and the strength of the Ravens for over 20 years, 25 years, has been roster, 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 um, and it's always got depth. And so I think – and that will continue. I don't think that's going to change. There's no – is there any reason, Coach, that you think the Ravens should make any sort of significant change? I mean, a a coordinator, uh, you know, I – 
a, a, a scheme change, a concept change. I, I, it's boring to just say, hey, go run it back and try again next year. I know it's not quite that simple because you have to make some personnel decisions in there, but is there any reason for you to think the Ravens should be drastically changing anything they do going into 2022? You know, I've said it before. I think that football is the ultimate team sport. And when you start looking for scapegoats, as I'll call them, you know, so that you can get the the people off your back, I think that's a mistake. They have a very good staff. They've got an excellent head coach. They've got good coordinators. But I think everybody has to look at themselves and, and be realistic and say, how can I get better? As opposed to, again, you're going to hear that injury word all the time. And, look, everybody faces injuries, and the good ones win regardless of it. I mean, look at the Tennessee Titans. They lost their number one player throughout the year, and they're, they're the number one seed, and they lost their best guy as well. Now, they may not have had the overall injuries, but nonetheless, um, I think personally, I think you keep intact. It's, a, it's such a great organization from top to bottom, but everybody's got to take a real, real look at themselves and say, what can I do to have made a difference and make this thing better? And obviously, you know, Jim Harbaugh and the ownership and all, they, they need to oversee that and, and kind of keep that on a realistic track. Because, again, once they start falling back to, well, you know, we had injuries, look, at, they are one team, the Ravens, that has a great roster from top to bottom. I mean, the bottom of their roster is a lot better than a lot of people's middle roster. So, um, you know, I still, I, I just think that's what they have to do. He is Mike Nolan. He is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. The Ravens season comes to an end at 8-9. and nine. Uh, Coach, I think one of the things that jumps out at everybody, there are a lot of people that were getting a little carried away about Tyler Huntley. Uh, I was just talking about this before you jumped on with me. I, I know that I still have concerns about how Lamar Jackson played against the Blitz, and he has to improve. There is no question about that. But um, I think a few people maybe got a nice reminder of this This is a league where either you have a quarterback or you don't. And we have every reason to believe the Ravens have a quarterback. Would you have any trepidation at all about paying Lamar Jackson the what you know is a quarterback salary in the NFL in 2022? Uh, I I wouldn't. No, I think they have to sign him. I mean, he's a he's a you know he's a game changer. He's a huge reason why they win and why they won early in the season. And we can all see when he's not in the lineup what it does to their you know their football team. Um, they still need some other playmakers. And and actually, I'll say this too about Lamar though. There's things he's got to work at. I mean, there's some of his some of the the passing game things in my opinion. I mean, the accuracy factor is not very good. Uh, but he is so explosive, and he's always a threat with those legs. No matter, like you could call a drop back pass or any kind of re- anything you call, he might use those legs to beat you. And uh, and he's that good. And and as we all well know, he's he's extremely explosive, can score at any time. So uh, I, I do believe the way they're built, they need to keep him. Um, and hopefully, they get something like that done early. So as you. I think I did hear you say earlier that you know that then they they got other things that that they yep. have to yep. have to uh, attend to. No, I mean, so I think to me the the priority for the Baltimore Ravens, you know, coach, and I'll, and I'll let you share your thoughts, but I think for me the priority would be you you got to figure out what your offensive line looks like, and Ronnie Stanley's such a huge factor in that, right? Because he's here, he's a a big number on your cap. You, you can't do anything about it. You, you need him to come back and play well, and if he does. That's a huge solution for the offensive line, right? This is Ronnie Stanley that we're talking about. But you got to flush that out. And I think the other side now has to almost become, I am still kind of befuddled as to why this is continuing. And this is what I want to run because obviously you know a thing or two about coaching defense. It is hard to ignore 
their struggles in the pass rush department, where for the most part they kept guys healthy this season, while watching so many of the guys that had been here succeed more heavily in the pass rush department in other places. I I don't know what to make of that, but it seems like something they're going to have to go about trying to solve again this offseason. Yeah, I think that's something they're really going to have to dissect from the standpoint of what really did go wrong. Because as we all well know, they lost people on the back end. And when you lose that now, the timing of the throws is much quicker. So it's not giving your rush the time to get there. Uh, at the same time, I look at their defensive line, the interior guys in particular, and they're all getting long in the tooth. And I'm, I would I would imagine that some of those guys are going to move on or retire or whatever after the season uh, just because of that. And so in the process, they're going to have to replace those guys. They have some explosive players to pass rush, whether it's the rookie, um, uh, Owe, or whether it's just – there's a number of guys that they have. As we all know, you got to remember now, the Ravens really haven't been a team over the years that has been really high in the number of sacks. They've just been very high in the, in the production that they get out of pressure. They've always been a pressure type of team, and that's where the, I think they make their hay. And I will say this again, and it is true, wins and losses, you know, if you take sacks and things like that, wins and losses, aren't, they, don't, they don't equate so much. I mean, it just doesn't work out. Because look, at, I'll put it this way. A sack on a quarterback is really a tackle for a loss, and a tackle for a loss on a running back doesn't get near as much excitement. That's fair, yeah. But, but, but we do know this. The quarterback is the player you have to stop. So anything you can do to disrupt him, whether it's hit him, get in his face, knock his balls down, whatever it might be, those things are critical. I think you know, going down the road, I just think they're going to have to really do a good job on the interior of their defensive line. I say interior. It's really their nose and their two ends because those are the big guys of replacing them because, again, I think, I think they're getting old. I don't know how much, how much time they have left. And that's really been the core of their defense. People don't talk about it much, but those three down guys – um, you know that that played not necessarily the entire year this year, but that they, that's a that's a strong group not only physically but just mentally. They they keep things together. Um, I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just, boy, man, it, it, you know, as that game went along yesterday, it seemed like there was of all the guys, Ben Roethlisberger. Like it, it just seems like there was so much time for him to be able to make play. I know it hurt. They lost Tyus Bowser late in that game as well, and. You know, what a season he's had, unfortunately, before that occurred. Anything else that jumps off the page at you, Coach, that you say, this is something I believe this organization has to prioritize um, throughout this offseason? Well, I would say this. When I look at their offense and what they are, obviously the quarterback is a key guy getting them signed. You've already said that. We've already talked about that. Yep. From there, uh, obviously, the, the running back situation with all the injuries they had, they'll get those guys back. I don't think they need to do much there other than get the healthy bodies back. They got a great tight end. Um, I would say this: I mean, when it comes to the quarterback in the passing game, the the receivers need to be big targets. And I know that Brown might. I'm not sure that he's a free agent or not. But but look at as much as I like the guy, and he's a tough little guy. He's a deep threat, but. You need big targets with the quarterbacks they have. And the reason I say that is because when the accuracy is not great by the quarterback, you need big targets. And those guys have to have a catching radius that's big. So as opposed to getting all enamored with these, with these guys that can you know, do some things, they have to realize what they have and what they're working with. And what would make the quarterback better, in my opinion, are as many big targets as you have out there because the ball could be anywhere when it comes. And, uh, you know, so 
But outside of that, I need to say this. I think the offensive line, if they can bolster that offensive yeah. line, get back some healthy bodies, but build that thing up, that's who they are. They're a running, they're a power running team. They yep. scare defenses when they run the ball. Yep. And, if, you know, look, we're assuming they'll get J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards back next year. And again, Ronnie Stanley goes such a long way. And, you know, the funny thing, obviously Bradley Bozeman, you know, he's a free agent, and there is there is definitely a chance at this point that he has priced his way out of Baltimore, that they're just in a place where they say, look, we love you and we want to have you, but, you know, somebody's going to be willing to offer him a lot of money because he played very well this season. But if you can come back with a group that includes a healthy Ronnie Stanley, Patrick McCary was exceptional this season at right tackle. He played really well. And, you know, Kevin Zeitler was outstanding as well at right guard. If you can come back with those three I feel fairly good about what you have to do in order to fortify an offensive line behind that. It's just, you know, there's some ifs involved in that scenario. Yeah, uh, well, I would agree that scenario that they, they do have some players and they got to get some healthy bodies back or we'll see if they can stay healthy all season. But outside of that, I, I would find it hard to believe they wouldn't sign or, or maybe sign in free agency, but also get some young guys. They do such an excellent good job in the draft. I think they could find themselves some good young linemen and, because, like I said, that's really their identity. Their identity is wearing people down and running over them and that power running game along with the option, the zone read, the, all that stuff. Uh, that's how they beat people. They don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're less finesse and a lot more just I'm going to come there and, and kick your tail. Ah, there's no doubt about it. That's the bully ball that we've, uh, we've grown to know. All right, uh, Coach, uh, give, me, give me who it is now. I, I think that this is difficult for us because we're still talking about the Ravens, but Man, the, the, the playoffs as a whole appear to be wide open. Is, is there any team that you look at and say, right now I think they're the team to beat as the playoffs get underway? Well, as we all well know, the two, the two with, the, with, the, with the buys that get to stay at home the whole time, the Titans and the Packers, obviously you've got to give it to them. But we're really probably, you're probably asking me more about what's the next team that you think. Yeah. I, I would say this. In the NFC, there's two teams that grab my attention. Well, now I say two, but let's just say this. The Niners are up and coming, but they're going to go against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have probably the most explosive offense they've had in a long time. I mean, they can score points, as we all well know. So there's that. But you can't deny the Buccaneers. So I would say the long shot is the Niners. Um, and then from there, I think the Buccaneers and the Cowboys are going to compete with the Packers. But anybody going into Green Bay is going to be tough with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and as we all well know, the only way you're going to really beat Green Bay is if Aaron's not playing. Uh, in the AFC, I think that's wide open. Uh, uh, I mean, look at all the teams that I look at after the Titans. In my opinion, are kind of are kind of floundering a little bit. You know, I don't I don't see the Steelers. I'll see this the Patriots. You can never count them out, but they still I don't think are the team to to get all the way uh, in that in that division. I, I think, uh, or in the AFC rather, I, I really think that the. Uh, I don't, I don't see who's going to compete with the Titans, but, you know, you, you never know. Bad day for the Titans, and if they get the running back back, uh, boy, they're going to be their hell. Yeah, there's no question. There is no question about it. They are different with Derrick Henry on the field. Coach, anything that you're going to be doing that we can plug for you? <laughs> no, but I appreciate it. I, we're yeah, gonna I keep... thought, I'll say this now. I thought yesterday was as good a weekend of ball games. Well, that. My God, that game last night, Coach. That I I could write a uh, a book about that game last night, man. That was, <laughs> and it's it's a, look. It's not just because we don't like the Steelers here, you know that. Um, I am disappointed because, man, I would love to watch Justin Herbert play some more football this season. He yeah. is just such a joy to watch playing football, man. Like it is, it is wild watching that kid play. So it's a bummer that he's not going to be involved, but. Damn, that was fun last night. Coach Mike Nolan, 
Always appreciate taking the time for us. Let's try to do this at some point during the offseason. We'll catch you up then. Thank you for taking the few minutes, and, and best uh, safety and health continue to you and your family, all right? It's... Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Coach Mike Nolan with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Um, you know, I, look, it, we're going ha- to see a few of these things play out. I'm starting to assume at this point that Bradley Bozeman has priced himself out of Baltimore. That's my assumption at this point. That seems to be what happens with good centers in Baltimore. Um, I'm trying to think about that for a little while. What was his name? Uh, J- uh, Jensen Brown. Yeah, Jason him. Brown, right? Like, you're, you're right. It's rare that a center has gotten another contract in Baltimore. That's probably a fair thing to say. I'd, I'd have to really – somebody would probably point one out to me and I'd be like, oh, right, I forgot all about him. You know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. – Mike Flynn once upon you know like I, I yeah Mike Flynn was here for a while right yeah. like somebody would point that out but yes for the most part now that Matt Burke was unique right they got him at the end of his career um you know I I I don't like going into another season with a question mark at center and it's weird because as I said Tristan Colon Castillo played fairly well could they tag him they could but the Ravens don't do that they don't mm-hmm. tag a player to play the game. They tag a player because they believe they're going to sign him, right? Fair like enough. That's, that's the fair. way they've yeah. used – that's traditionally the way they use tag. And we talked about this before. At some point, does that change? At some point, do you say – and I guess technically, did it change uh, – who, who did they just use a tag on recently? Was it was – It was Judon, Judon last yes. year. Yeah. Judon was the first one. Like It was the first one they used a tag on. And I still think they wanted to get something done with Matt Judon. It just didn't happen. Um so, you know, maybe it's an example of Eric Acosta just having a different philosophical... And this is a bigger... I, I brought this up when I said, are you thinking about... If you've decided, for example, internally, that you know you're not going to pay Hollywood Brown big money, you're going to pick up... His, the the fifth-year option thing is kind of silly. It's not $20 million to pick up the fifth-year option. It's $14 million to pick up the fifth-year option, whatever it's going to end up being. They're going to pick up the fifth-year option. It would be insane for them not to. But if you've decided... Look, we can't spend the money that Hollywood Brown is going to be seeking because of his production and the money that he almost certainly will get because so few wide receivers actually make it to the free agent market. We always salivate at who's going to be a free agent, and then we realize for the most part those guys end up getting tagged. Those guys don't end up making it to the free agent market. But we saw a year ago, you know, Kenny Galladay was in demand because he was the best of what was available because you just players like that don't typically get to the free agent market um so hollywood brown's going to seek a boatload of money in an extension if nothing crazy happens over the course of the next year or two so if you've internally decided hey when we pay lamar jackson we're just not going to be able to pay hollywood brown there's an argument that if you've made that decision now you start attempting to shop hollywood brown now because the team that would be acquiring would get him two years of affordable prices before they would have to pay him and they might be willing to pay you a pretty penny because they look and they say there's just not going to be free agents that we're going to be able to go out and sign so if it costs us this to get a high level wide receiver a highly productive wide receiver let's pay that amount let's do it the flip side argument is if you're going to run it back next year and feel pretty good about your chances of winning a Super Bowl, wouldn't you rather have Hollywood Brown than not have him? And that's sort of the same sort of conversation that you're having related to, could you tag Bradley Bozeman? You could. You could tag Bradley Bozeman. Even if you've decided we know we're ultimately not going to pay him, you could tag him and say, 
It's sort of our way of saying we believe next year is a great chance to win a Super Bowl. Even if you pay Lamar Jackson, the likelihood is the first year of the deal is a very fair price. Right. And the money doesn't really kick in cap hit-wise for a few years. So you look at it and you say, we think we've got a great – maybe Calais Campbell says, you know what, I'll run it back one more year with you guys. You start looking around you say, we have the opportunity to bring back this core. You get something worked out with Marcus Peters to keep him around – Maybe you say, you know, whatever. You look at the core, you say, we got a good chance to run it back for one more year. Plus, we're adding in a 14th overall pick. You know, we like our chances. And if that's the case, maybe it is the best thing to use the franchise tag on Bradley Bozeman just to have one less spot that you have concern about. But it's still a lot more money than you were paying for a player. that Bradley Bozeman's number this year was minuscule. Right. So even the franchise tag is sucking up a boatload of money and limits what you can do otherwise. And I, my gut tells me that at the end of the day, they're going to say Bradley Bozeman has priced himself out of Baltimore. And the one thing that is fair is that typically the Ravens, in their history, have done a really good job at discovering interior offensive linemen. It's a place where I think it's fair to trust them. They haven't always. It didn't work with Matt Skura. Um, worked for a minute, and then it fell apart. Um, it, it's not a sure thing. We still don't really know if they have a left guard on the roster. We still, the, the Ben Powers, Ben Cleveland experiment never played out. Maybe in their minds, if they've got Ronnie Stanley at left tackle and Patrick McCarry at right tackle, then Tyree Phillips is a confident answer for them at left guard, right, next mm. season. And if that's the case, I, maybe Ben Powers can be your center. I don't know. I mean, I'm just sort of spitballing here. Um, or maybe they truly believe that Jawan James is their answer at right tackle next year, and Patrick McCary is their answer at left guard, right? And they're confident about Patrick McCary at left guard. I, there's a lot of things. All of it, though, revolves around one thing. Ronnie Stanley has to come back and play either at Ronnie Stanley level or something close to that. Absolutely. That has to happen. That's the only thing this organization can do. All right, today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll come back in. We will chat with Evan Washburn, who covered the game yesterday for CBS. Get his thoughts on where the Ravens are. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. My man, Paul Cantabene, the lacrosse coach over at Stevenson. Of course, Loyola legend just checked in with me and said, so you're a Bills fan now, right? He's a huge Bills fan. He's from Rochester. Um, I haven't decided. I normally do a column like that for Press Box where I go through the teams that are in, you know, once the Ravens are out, who's left and and who I think is most worthy of rooting for. I haven't really thought about it yet, but honestly, I don't know that the Bills wouldn't be a team I wouldn't be willing to root for. I, I kind of like their fan base. I kind of dig the whole, you know, nutso people jumping through tables. Like, I I, I don't know. I've kind of always dug them in a weird way. So I, I, I certainly have no reason to root against them. They would, they would be one of the teams that I'd be thinking. Plus, you know, Stephon Diggs. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's pretty good. Um... I, he, they'd certainly be a team that I'd be thinking about as a team that I'd be willing to embrace now that the Ravens are out. Look, I'm still, I, I, I still love football. Like that game last night, I my juices were flowing away. I can't describe. I love football, so I'll be into it. It's a bummer the Ravens aren't a part of it, but I'm going to be into it. Uh, speaking of Buffalo, that's where this man's going to be headed uh, next weekend. He is, of course, the international sideline sex symbol, and he got a home game yesterday in Baltimore. Unfortunately, it was as the Steelers beat the Ravens. He is our man, Evan Washburn, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Evan, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm actually on the train right now. Uh, so I, I heard that. Where, why, where are you going? You got a home game yesterday. Why are you yeah, on a train today? I'm going up to New York to do some uh, studio stuff. Uh, for uh, CBS Sports Network. Okay. So, All right. Well, that's okay. I get it. I guess that's a real job then. Like, get, I think on, it's a, get on up to the Big Apple. No doubt, man. Uh, at least it's a nice, pleasant week to be spending in New York. Lovely weather um, that you're going to be uh, walking into where it's like five degrees. 
Um, Evan, you know, look, I, it's a bummer, the Ravens, what happened to them this season. Do you think there's anything more significant that needs to be said about the Baltimore Ravens than this is what happens when you lose a half a roster's worth of football players? That's the way I view it. I mean, I, I understand disappointment. I'm sure there can be some second-guessing of certain things along the way, but the big picture answer to all of this is you've got a Pro Bowl caliber roster on IR, and there's really not much you can do with that. And then your franchise quarterback and the person you built this whole thing around can't play for the last five weeks of the season. I mean, that, those are clear-cut answers to what this team did down the stretch, and I'm one of those that is impressed they fought as hard as they did because most teams don't. Yeah, it's sort of where I am, and and I think you're right. There's certainly things in there. Could they have won a couple of games? Yeah, and that would have been tremendous if they had figured out a way to do it. But, you know, I I just don't think this requires all that much. It's boring to say, hey, just go try again next year, and they've decisions you have to make. But I can't fathom a reason why this organization would think anything drastically needs to change other than trying to get their players healthy. Yeah, getting healthy, and, and I think you learn a lot about what depth you do have. And we're talking like third-level depth, and, and that stuff does matter, though. I mean, the margin for error right now in the NFL is so slim. The difference between being a playoff team and picking in the top five, as we saw up, up until this weekend with the Jags beating the Colts, is, is, is really much. So you need to know every inch of your roster, and I think that's the, the – Silver lining for Baltimore. They know every this roster heading into the allow them to make some prudent decisions as to who's getting paid. They're going to walk all those things. He is Evan Washburn. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Of course, he worked yesterday's broadcast for CBS. Evan, you know, I, I think the big thing right now to me is the Lamar Jackson thing, and I know that a couple people were getting carried away about Tyler Huntley, and, and it was neat to watch him play well for a little while, but, you know, we got a reminder the last couple weeks there's, there's a reason why Tyler Huntley is not a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and that's not with disrespect. I, he played admirably, obviously, during this stretch. I, I think the big picture, though, is you got a reminder of why it is the teams decide, hey, it sucks to have to pay your quarterback so much money, but... If you don't have a quarterback in the National Football League, you're screwed. Do, do, would you have any trepidation at all about the Ravens deciding now? It, there's no reason. We don't need to wait any longer. Let's get this done. Let's pay the money that needs to be paid to lock up Lamar Jackson. I think so. I think just based off of the fact that they've created an environment, and especially with his tailor-made to his skill set, and it's, it's proven to be effective. It's not perfect, and it still needs to be nuanced, and, and there needs to be layers and depth. Mm-hmm. If you make a decision not to pay Lamar, then you're making a decision to completely change course with what you've been doing the last three years. And uh, I, I just I don't see why you would do that based off of uh, the way this year went, while not... Um, not ideal uh, on the health front. Right. I think you just come up with ways to protect Lamar from. All right. All right, Evan. I, I appreciate it. Compensated backup. Evan, I really appreciate trying to do this this morning. Yeah, and and the and the service is a little bit tough. Uh, let me let me. We'll just kind of wrap with this if we can. Um, you know, you're sure. you're getting ready to go up to Buffalo. You're going to see them. 
the, the AFC playoffs appear to me to be wide open. I, is there any team right now that you would declare a favorite at all of these seven teams that are left that you're going to be seeing these next couple of weeks? I mean, I would say Kansas City's the favorite because they have the ability to win a shootout at really any point, and they've been in the Super Bowl the last two years. But I'm with you. I think it's wide open. Kansas City can be beaten by all other six teams in the playoffs, and I think that makes it super exciting. But if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably pick Kansas City. All right. At Evan Washburn on Twitter is how you follow him. And, again, Saturday night on CBS – He's in Buffalo for a really good one and a nice set, a nice primetime game in Buffalo in January, man. How many layers you wear for a game like this? Okay, all right. Yeah, right, no doubt. Hey, Evan, appreciate you trying for us this morning, man. Really appreciate you doing it. Uh, let's talk yeah, again sorry, real soon. Sorry, hey, stopping. brother, I, I appreciate you making the effort, man. Let's talk soon, all right? Yeah, okay. Thanks, buddy. Evan Washburn. Uh, you know, I... I could do 30 minutes with Evan, but, you know, I, I, I didn't want to just keep that dragging on. appreciate him trying, but uh, it just wasn't happening this morning. I want to get things back on track. And, again, love Evan. Love Evan. Love that effort. All right. With that in mind, um, it, I guess let's go ahead and, and dish out. Uh, do you want to – I guess we could do picks recap and then dish out slaps. Let's, I, I guess we'll start by we'll – re, we'll recap picks, grab a break, and then we'll uh, dish out some slaps. Picks recap is brought to you this week. By Live Casino and Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new Spandle Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on all of the action. And they got those self-service kiosks. So as I say, you don't even have to tell people how much you're betting. Like, nobody needs to know. You can just between you and your wallet and, and whatever God you believe in. And the machines, of course. The machines would know. But they're not people. I don't think. Not yet, anyway. Watch all the action from the best seat in the house. It's such a cool place. I love the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook and the atmosphere at uh, Sports and Social there at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. It was a bloodbath in picks this week. There is, of course, still one more game that we picked. That's the national championship game tonight between Georgia and Alabama. But uh, so far, the NFL game's an utter bloodbath. I went 3-5 and five this week, and I'm tied for the best record so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Um, KZ, it, Georgia's really important for KZ because he's now fallen five games behind me because he has so far. KZ, 1-7 and seven in the eight NFL games this week. Just brutal. Uh, Kansas City-Denver, we were all on Kansas City, and, of course, they. I mean, it was looking awful. As the Broncos were driving down there, it looked like they were putting them away. Obviously, everything changed with the uh, scoop and score. Uh, the fumble that was returned for a touchdown changed everything in that game. And so the Broncos still end up covering. Vic Fangio is out. I know Ravens fans do not shed a single tear because Vic Fangio kind of showed his ass earlier this year. Um you know they have to make a decision at quarterback clearly, and I would assume that they'll be in on whoever is available. If that's Matt Ryan, if it's Russell Wilson, I assume they'll be in on those guys because they've got a good roster. We've talked about that a lot. And if they can't, they're clearly going to have to draft a quarterback. They have to. They can do another stopgap thing. They have to find an actual answer at quarterback. They can't run out a Teddy Bridgewater, a, you know, a Jameis Winston type. Um, they have to determine who their quarterback is. But we all missed that one. Dallas-Philadelphia, um, again, not knowing who was going to play and thinking there was a real chance this was going to be a Cooper Rush, 
you know, Gardner Minshew matchup, we said, the most of us said, well, give us the points. Give us Philadelphia with the seven. For some completely unknown reason, Dallas decided they were going to go with Dak Prescott for the overwhelming majority of this football game. Thankfully for them, he didn't get hurt. Could you have imagined him getting hurt? Mm. Like, I, I don't know what they were doing. It was a really weird bit. But they win going away because of it, 51-26. to 26, And I guess maybe that helps them feel better about themselves going into the playoffs. I mean, I, it's something. I don't know. But uh, John Proctor was the only one that was on Dallas in that game. Uh, John Proctor, unfortunately, was also the only one on Baltimore in uh, in the game yesterday. And so the point that he got as a lone wolf, he lost the other one. That's normally the way it works when you have uh, multi-lone wolf picks. He was he was a lone wolf three times, though. Uh, he was, But he got that one. That's true. So he went 2-1 and one as a lone wolf for the day. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Ravens, we all know we've talked about it all throughout the day. They lose 16-13. As far as the individual things that happened during the game, I, I did think it's interesting. I was joking last night on Twitter that Brandon Staley deserved the lose for not going for two at the end of regulation. Like, this is who you're going to be all year. And then when you have a chance to, to end things on your watch, you're not going to be that team. And everybody's going back and saying, well, yeah, but a tie is a win. Right, but the game didn't end at the end of regulation. They lost, as you saw. I, if this is who you are, I, I would live and die by it. Just say, this is who I am. I, I'm going to be this coach. I'm going to be this team. I'm going to be the guy that goes for on fourth and one from my own 20-yard line and gift them um, three points. I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I, I live by the sword. I die by the sword. I go for two at the end of the game and say, whatever happens, happens, man. I, I don't... And there's no reason to have any faith in your defense. Your defense isn't good. The, the, you're just hoping that the Raiders don't try all that hard, essentially. And obviously, they were, you know, Derek Carr had Darren Waller wide open in the end zone and just missed him on the first possession of overtime. They had multiple chances to lose that game. So I think Brandon Staley should have gone for it. And it's interesting because there was a small group of Ravens fans that said, instead of kicking the field goal, on the second-to-last possession of the fourth quarter, the Ravens should have gone forward on fourth and two. This is who you are as a team. Go try to win, right? Go try to win. Go try to score a touchdown. There was still a lot of time left at that point. There was still the bet, you know, two minutes ish. It wasn't that wasn't a you know. There's 20 seconds. You know, I I don't know what the time would have been. And me, that was more a story of you know. It's funny as I say these things, they're no less true. And it's what I said about. The Chargers' right tackle was getting his ass kicked all night last night. And that was the best argument for me when we talked about should they go for two. Well, maybe you just say we don't want that to disrupt the one play with the game on the line. But their right tackle wasn't going to get any better in overtime. That was still going to be a factor if they got the ball in overtime. And so when I say I don't think they should have tried to convert it because Tyler Huntley stunk yesterday, that was going to be no less true come overtime as we saw. Tyler Huntley didn't stink any less when they got to overtime. So maybe there is an argument, right? I, I didn't think about it in the moment, but maybe there is an argument for the Ravens to say, this is who we are. This is who we've been all season. Let's just go be the team that we are. And on fourth and two, let's go try to um, pick up the, the fourth down and go try to score a touchdown and win the game. You, you could argue that, that they, it was proved that they made the right decision because they, they did get a stop and they got the ball back was still a chance to go win the game at the end of regulation. They just didn't do it. But, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. It's something that I had to think about because in the moment I wasn't thinking about it a lot. But right. I guess there is an argument that they should have gone for it. You, you said Brandon Staley lives by the sword. You die by the sword. I think he's going to end up dying by the sword. I think that, that I watched him single-handedly lose a game for his team by calling multiple. Uh, we're talking, I think, what was it, four or five? You say, fourth, fourth I, I disagree that that's single-handedly how they lost. They lose because they don't have a good – they can't stop the run. Right, but, but – those were all in field goal range, and I get that their kicker isn't great. You're thinking of the Thursday night game against Kansas City, and yeah. there was a lot of things that go. It's easy to point out all those decisions that didn't work, right? Like it's super easy to do that and say this is why you lose the game. His decisions but are costing his team points. Potentially, yes. It's it's you know they don't have a good kicker either, and that's yeah. part of that is part of this. I don't know if they would make different decisions if they had a better kicker, a kicker mm-hmm. they had more in this percentage thing. Would they say? hey, we'll go for it on fourth and anything inside of eight because we don't like our kicker. And maybe then if you had a better kicker, it would change it and say, well, we'll only go for it on anything fourth and anything inside of three, right? I don't know what the thought process would be if they had a better kicker. Mm. Um, They don't. They they, they haven't had a kicker. They've gone through a few this season. They still don't have one. Um, You know, they missed a a 50-yard kick last night that if he just made that kick, they would have won the football game. It's easy to remember this because we think it's controversial. We think it's controversial to be aggressive. Everything about the football sciences says this isn't controversial. Even even the, the the data last night of going forward on fourth and one from your own 20 says you should be doing this. I, I, I think it's appropriate to be aggressive. I think that he's been overly aggressive at times to a fault. Where there are games that, that, that could have been won. Now, you can make the argument that going forward on fourth and one from his own 20 yard line last night ended up saving the Chargers because it was a quick, it was a yeah, quick, you just drive. get it over with, they, right? They, they, they can't the suck points. the time off the clock. Right. Exactly right. Like, it, you just find out if you're going to die or not. Right. Um, it's the same argument for the people that scream about why it is, why do you go for two when you're down 15, right? It's the whole thing that you and Gary Stein and I fought about a few weeks ago, the Chargers did last night because you want to know, because you want to have that answer. But again, if this is the team that you are, and clearly the organization is on board with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like clearly, For now they know it. I mean, if what you're saying is at some point a decision maker steps in and says, "I want to do something different," then yeah, they're going to hire a different coach at that point. But they they hired the guy that they hired. Right. They knew what they were getting, and there are a lot of people that believe that this is what everybody should be doing. And it's easy to point out these little things because we don't want to deal with the reality of that they they can't. I mean, by the way, Mike Williams had the chance to make the play in the end zone. They win the game last night. Mm. He didn't make the play. True. So we're screaming about Brandon Staley and the decisions being what cost them. But why are we not screaming about Mike Williams not making the play in the end zone in overtime when they had a chance to win the football game? It wasn't the easiest play. It's, I'm not saying it's I, the but, easiest but play, point. right? But like this is the th- we point out the things we cherry pick what fits our narrative. Are there things that Brandon Staley does that I still probably say, yeah, that's. That's maybe a step beyond where I would be, probably. But once I decide that's who I am, I just can't believe that you wouldn't be that guy. I can't believe that with the, the your season on the line, you wouldn't say, okay, I'm going to go try to win it and, and control my own fate. And to say, well, yeah, but a tie is just as good as a win, there's 10 minutes of overtime. Th- this notion, I, I know we all got carried away with the idea that these teams were just going to agree to a tie. It was not happening. The NFL would not allow it. The NFL, in fact, reminded everyone this week with a memo that there is a clause that the commissioner, if they believe that the teams were in cahoots through a game, he can declare it a forfeit. They both take a loss and neither of them make the playoffs. 
it was insane the way we were talking about this. The, the government has to investigate a scenario where you are in cahoots to throw a football game. Do you understand what you're saying? Yes, there was a moment where if you got the ball back with a minute and 20 left and you're the Raiders, you might just say, look, we're just going to run the ball three times and take the tie. But they were never going to plan on a tie. Yeah. They were never going to agree to a tie because none of them would ever have been allowed in the NFL again. So with that being said, I would have rather the game come down to my own fate. This is who I am. I'm the aggressive guy. I go for two at the end of the game. I try to win. That's what I would have done. I guess I should tell everybody that in picks. Um, uh, Proctor was also the only one that was on Vegas. So uh, clearly they were... um, Three-point dogs, and and they end up winning the game outright, 35-32, so he does get that point. Stecka was the only one that was on Jacksonville. We said then, hey, man, you're in last place. you got to do something bold. Well, he did something bold. Unfortunately, he's 2-6 and six on the whole for the week, so it didn't really help him all that much. Imagine getting that one right and still only getting two points all week. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, just Kyle and I were on Cincinnati. Uh, they didn't play anybody, but they, uh, they, Cleveland didn't really either. 21-16, uh, Cleveland wins, but Cincinnati covers, so good news for us. I was the only one on Miami. I didn't expect them to win outright, and I sure as F did not expect them to fire Brian Flores afterwards. Uh, no. I have no idea what that's about. I, I get that it was disappointing they lost seven straight games this season, and, and maybe they just decided his fate at that point, and... They didn't want to do it then, and this almost became inconvenient to them that they won so many games down the stretch. And, and yes, we all pointed out that during that, that seven-game win streak, they were, for the most part, beating lesser quarterbacks and lesser teams on the whole. Still, I think all of us would say that there's not, there was no reason to expect them to do more than what they did this season. They have a decent roster, but not a championship-caliber roster. They have pieces that you like. You sure as hell like Jalen Waddle. My God. What's not like uh, like about Jalen Waddle? You, you like Xavier Howard. You like Rashad. There are pieces there that you're like, I like those pieces. But to think that this was a either you win the AFC East or you're out type of roster, get the F out of here with that. So... That one's a huge head-scratcher and particularly concerning given how difficult things have been for black head coaches in recent years. Well, there, there were reports that he and the GM just clashed all season long. I, I don't know why. What has the GM done that says this is the guy that wins that battle? Yeah, I, I mean, like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't get it. Mm. I, I don't... Like, if you want to blow everybody out and say, we're going to start out... Like, why are you committing to the general manager that put together an okay roster? I, I'm befuddled by what's going on there befuddled by that man that i think he'll no probably get another job quickly i would imagine I, you know you say that but i don't know that i, I you know this goes back to one of the it, it kind of the it, it's not just the problems that we've seen for black coaches and mm-hmm. it's not just that like it's part of the problem for sure but then like add in the fact that he's a defensive guy and that defensive guys just don't get coaching jobs at the same rate as offensive coaches do typically when you're a team looking for a coach you're looking for someone to tie to your quarterback and Mm -hmm. say you know if you're in this position let's look at the teams that need coaches right now or uh so chicago maybe maybe they would say it's rare because they've already know who their quarterback's going to be but i still think they want somebody they're gonna they're gonna say you're responsible for justin fields moving forward 
Your the your job is to make Justin Fields work, yeah. and Brian Flores can't be that guy. Denver and Minnesota don't know who their quarterback's going to be, so clearly they both might like the idea of getting a veteran quarterback, and if you have a veteran quarterback, maybe it's a little bit easier to hire a defensive guy because you're not tying to that, but they don't know they're going to get They have to hire the coach before they know who the quarterback's going to be, unless there's been such collusion that like Denver knows now Matt Ryan's going to be our quarterback or Russell Wilson's going to be our quarterback because we've already got the framework of the deal in place then maybe you could hire Brian Flores to be your coach. I like Brian Flores. I'm not like in love with him either. I'm not trying to suggest that I think he's a surefire thing. I just think it's tough for a defensive coach. It, it's it's always tough for defensive coaches to get jobs because the nature of the NFL tends to be we're tying you to the quarterback. But uh, Miami got the win, and that was good news for me because I was the lone wolf on that one and needed it because I, like everybody else, stunk this week. Um, what a stunner. San Francisco beating Los Angeles. Um and in particular because the Rams had a 17 nothing lead in that game. And it just looked like they were making a statement. You know, they got lucky that Arizona ended up losing to Seattle, which is crazy. I mean, what? Every time, every time you think you know what Arizona's going to do, I promise you, you do not. Um, but that was a wild game. And, and a hell of a statement for San Francisco, man. Like, I, 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 I write them off every now and then, and then they just sort of – they do something like that, and you're like, maybe they can be a threat. Like, you forget how much winning Jimmy Garoppolo has done in his life. That dude just wins. It blew my mind that they were in position for, like, I didn't realize they were good enough to be in position for a playoff spot this year, and they're in. I mean, we all thought this was going to be a year where they transitioned to Trey Lance at some point, where, like, at mm-hmm. some point during the year they look and say, this is time to transition. And Trey Lance played well, I mean, obviously, two weeks ago against Houston, so I still think they're going to make the transition at some point, but... You know they they play well with Jimmy Garoppolo, man. I don't. It's a weird spot that they're in in San Francisco. It's a very strange place, but it's a hell of a statement win. Ottenheimer and Proctor were on them, so that's where we are uh, for the week. Myself, Kyle, and Proctor all go three and five, and we feel very good about ourselves. Of course, again with the one game left, um, Stecka went two and six, and KZ one and seven. Uh, Proctor and KZ are both on Georgia tonight. The rest of us are on Alabama. I still have a three-game lead over Kyle at the top of the table, a five-game lead over KZ, uh, and Stecka is nine games behind John Proctor, so Stecka badly needs Alabama to cover tonight uh, or win outright because any hope with so few games left now to pick this season, there are six, four, two, one. There are 13 games remaining, and he's or 14 including tonight, and he's down by nine, so, you know. Obviously, he's got to get just about all of them at this point. That's our picks recap. It is also brought to you today by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight. Stand the Fan and Ross Grimsley will be catching up with Ben McDonald tonight on Facebook Live. Watch the show, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. You can see it tomorrow. You can also go there and click on the videos tab or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stand the Fan back in action tonight with Ben McDonald. We'll come back in. We will dish out some slaps of the helmet. Still to come this hour, Jeremy Kahn's going to join us. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443 443- 840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. It is a Monday edition of the program. Jeremy Kahn's going to join us in a bit. Um, look, I, I, you know, I, John, I don't think we ever did. We get a time? Did I don't know what Brandon Staley said in the? I never. I didn't. I didn't watch in the post game press conference, and here, here's the. Let me see. Damn it! Now that my show's playing in the background. In the right grouping, we felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, make that substitution, so that we could, you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. Okay, I mean that seems like a reasonable answer to me. Again, I get it was awkward because we all thought that at that point the Raiders were just kind of giving up. But they were clearly running a play. Like that they were running a play there. The Chargers identified that it was going to be a run play, and they say we want to have a better once we know that, we think we need to have a better run group out there. Now, the failure is they got their group out there and then they couldn't stop the run. Mm-hmm. That's the failure. But that's a reasonable answer. I, and and I keep coming back to we keep we keep wanting to believe that the Raiders were just willing to not try. And we want to make the you know, this guy thinks he's mouth. You think that this guy's mouthing that they were going to take a knee. Nothing about the way they were lined up suggests they would even consider taking a knee. They were going to run the ball. Now, if they don't pick up the first down, right? Like, maybe they do. Maybe at that point. And I think that's what Derek Carr is alluding to is there was a line at which they were going to try the field goal or not try the field goal. 
And so it's totally possible they run a play. What was what was the situation there? It was third and what? Third and four? It was third and four from the 39. So if they run a play and they get stopped short, they get stopped, say, at the line of scrimmage, and you're looking at a 56, 57-yard field goal, it might very well be that at that point they would have said, not worth the risk. It's not much of a risk, but there is some risk of having the kick blocked or leaving it short and allowing that player the opportunity to return it for a touchdown. And as we've seen regularly on these long kicks that are left short, you have the wrong personnel that's out there. It's the reason why you're in such risk of a guy returning. You've got big bodies on the field to block for the kick, and they are not the guys you want chasing after a fast dude that's running back with the ball. It's the reason why... We see so many of these, the the famous kick six in the Alabama-Auburn game, Chris McAllister once upon a time. It's the wrong personnel to be chasing after a dude. What's that? Will, Will, Will Hill. Hill. Yep. <clears throat> uh, against Cleveland, right? But that was a, was that a block? I thought that was blocked. Was that, that a pure miss? No, that I thought that was a block. Uh, yeah, that was Yeah, a I thought that was a block. That was, that was a block. Um, but the miss situation where you leave it short, they get run back because yeah. you got the wrong guys out there to chase around, the, a, a, a guy with kick returner speed. So... Um, so, yeah, you know, like, there is a possibility that they would have said, if we get stopped at the line of scrimmage or we lose yardage, 57, 58 yards, it's too rich for our blood. We'll just we'll call it a game. But the idea that they were taking a knee is preposterous. See, I never heard and never thought that they were taking it. I mean, I heard the people, that, like, they so could the, just t- all each take knees all six. So then what do we think the timeout made a difference for? If you don't think they were taking a knee, what do we think the timeout made a difference for? I thought that the timeout made a difference because the clock was, was still running regardless and it never, it there was, never stopped. There was 38 seconds left. Mm-hmm. They, I, had I, to, they had to run a play. Right. I just... I, I kind of assumed it was going to be a, a, one of the plays that they had just run, where it just kind of runs straight into the line. Type, type of situation. Well, they've been picking up yards. They haven't been running straight in the line. They've been getting yards. In yeah, fact, they had Josh Jacobs just broke one off to the left side before that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but the but the next two runs, the two mm-hmm. runs on first down and on second down, were got them a total of six yards. Well, right. But if right. they if they that's the idea that there's a de- drastic difference between three and four yards is not you know like they run and they pick up three four yards. They've got a first down, and now instead of it being a fifty six yard kick, you're talking about being a fifty two yard kick. Mm-hmm. And given who your kicker is, there's no reason not to try that kick. I, I just, I, I think we're, we want something. We want a scapegoat. We what? want Brandon Staley to have cost his team because it's more embarrassing, it's crazier, it's something along those lines. Well, the, well, and I just don't think it jives with reality. Well, well, but what I was looking at was you run a play, you kind of stroll back to the line, and you act like you're going to call a play, but you kind of just let the clock run out from there on, on fourth down. That's what I thought was going to happen. I didn't think he was going to go back and take a knee again, on but this, third but, down. But this goes back to why, if you lose, this is what I keep, if you lose yards or you get stopped at the line of scrimmage, I think it's totally plausible that they say, we're not trying to kick. Mm-hmm. Because it's a very long kick at that point. But if you gain yards, why wouldn't you try the kick? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like, I, I think that we want to believe that the Raiders were viewing a tie as just as good as a win, but 
they had reason not to view it that way. Well, but 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 the other thing is that the when they did gain yards, it got them to a position where the kick well, was, was, was far was, shorter. Was, right? They, was and more again, realistic. That's, that's the the bigger problem is they gave up so many yards on that play. Yeah. Right? Like the far bigger problem isn't the timeout. The far bigger After problem after personnel change. Right? Is that you put the guys on the field that you wanted to have in there and got gashed anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a, a massive problem. We want it to be the timeout because I don't. It it was. We were confused in that moment. So something has to be wrong here. Mm-hmm. When in the end, part of the reason why we're confused is because we were valuing a tie more than the Raiders were valuing yeah, a tie. that's true. The Raiders wanted to win the football game. Don't blame them for wanting to win the football game for, for any number of reasons. Even if it didn't change who their opponent was, I still would have wanted to win the football game. You prepare for an entire week. It's... I, Anybody who's ever been around a football team knows how much more fun and pleasant it is to be around after a victory. And a tie, even if it's, it got you in the playoffs, is still not a victory. You go out and you play for 70 minutes. You've got no reason to want to help them. If there's nothing about you that says, hey, we can either get in ourselves or we can both get in. Well, what the hell are you trying to help them for? Yeah, You're winning the game. Yeah. Go win the game. I... I and I think Derek Carr was being honest about that. I don't think that's just bluster. I think that they wanted to win the football game because they're com- they're professional athletes. Yeah, of course they wanted. And to it's win in their game. nature to want to win, not to want to tie. They want to win. I think we're robots and we like the idea, but a tie is just as good as a win. Again, not exactly, not exactly. It's similar because it gets you into the playoffs, but a win's still better. And they had a win within 100%. their grasp. I would I would always choose winning, even if a tie gets me the same result. Uh, I just I, I look at that and I th- it, can you imagine if Josh Jacobs fumbles or Derek Carr throws an interception? Well, that's what I don't. Again, yeah, I don't think they I mean? were going to throw the football. I've said that a well, million no, times. I don't think there was any chance they weren't going. They weren't yeah. going to throw the football, and they knew that. That's the Chargers knew. That's why they called the timeout. They said they're not throwing the ball. We need to get the guys in there to go stuff the run, and then it's just embarrassing that they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a failure. And that's why you don't make the playoffs. You don't deserve if you know the team's running and you can't stop them, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's just the reality. And yeah, it's a fair question to say, uh, John, what's happened to Derwin James? Certainly not the the game changer that he appeared. I mean, he's been through a lot of significant injuries in his career, so that's a bummer. But yes, he is not the player. When his first year out, we thought he was going to be one of the most electrifying players in the entire league for years to come, and is not proven to be the case. All right, let's dish out some slaps of the helmet one final time. We'll probably do this week a pats on the ass and slaps of the helmet combo for the entire year. I'll think about when we might do that, but we'll probably do that at some point this week. Um, but for now, we're just going to do one one more slaps of the helmet for one more loss as the Ravens fall to the Steelers yesterday, 16-13. Slaps of the helmet brought to you by CCBC. Keep these words in mind. Tuition free tuition free need to hone your computer skills to boost your career or maybe you want an it certification ccbc continuing education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field and it's all tuition free from the basics to specialized training we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more it's your choice it's your career call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training all right you know the rules five ravens two must be offensive players two must be defensive players the fifth can be another offensive player another defensive player a special teams player or a coach 
Rank them five to one with number one sort of being your anti-player of the game. And Sam Cook is fortunate that I can only choose one wild card because he would have also made the list. Um, it was a tough day to put two defensive players on the list. One, because of expectations. Two, because frankly, they played well. I mean, on the whole, they played well. Um, but, you know, I, Sam Cook did not have a great day. The one, I mean, like, on his distance punts, he didn't have a good day, obviously. When he was punting for to pin him down deep he did a pretty good job of that but when he was needed when they needed distance when they needed to flip the field he didn't do a good job and yeah that probably does bring up a conversation we've talked about other players that might retire we haven't really talked about sam cook certainly there's the chance that sam cook decides to retire if he doesn't i would be surprised that the ravens would move on from him because for the most part he's had a good season right for the most part he you know, maybe wasn't as brilliant as he's been in the past, but for the most part, he was still good this year. And why try to solve a, a problem that isn't that doesn't exist? You know, like I get the idea. Could you do better? Maybe, but do you need to? I don't know. So I'd be surprised the Ravens chose to move on from him if he didn't retire. But no, he did not have a good day. Just did not make my list because I can only put five. I'll appease those of you, and I'll put Greg Roman on at five. And you know me, I'm not a Greg Roman hater, but I'm also, I've said a million times, I'm not an apologist for Greg Roman either. I think Greg Roman, did the, the results are what matters, and overwhelmingly, the results have been good. But it has been eight quarters without an offensive touchdown. Not all of that is his fault, right? Like, it's sure as hell not his fault that Tyler Huntley threw that god-awful interception. It's not his fault that Hollywood Brown dropped the ball in the end zone. But it still happened, and the biggest thing is the... It's hard not to point out the Steelers had a horrible run defense, and when you finally got around to running the ball in the second half, you did a pretty damn good job. Should you have been doing a little bit more of that in the first half? Yeah, in hindsight, almost certainly. Um, and Tyler Huntley probably should have been running the ball more yesterday because he clearly was not much of a threat to do anything throwing the football. So, you know, because of all that, Greg Roman makes my list. He's my number five. So my number five is Odafe Owe because I haven't seen him at all since the Cleveland game. Yeah, I mean it's fair. Uh, it, it, he, I, uh, and again, wonder, some of that some of that is assignment based. Like, right, what what is he is he being tasked with being disruptive, or is he just being tasked with set the edge? And without the benefit of being able to to know the answer to that, it's it's hard for me to to be. But I get it. I get that you want him to be a wrecker, and he's not been a wrecker. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tyus Bowser was was very active in that game yesterday, and as was Justin Houston. You look at your other pass rusher on the other side, Adafi Owe, you, don't, you didn't see him all game. And for me, that was that's that was an issue. My number four is Jimmy Smith, only because at the end of the game, when the Steelers were faced with third and long, you know, it, I, it's tough. He lost his footing, right? Like, it's, it's a tough thing. It could happen to a lot of guys. But it happened in a really critical moment. And watching... Ben Roethlisberger convert third and fourth and longs when he can't throw the ball downfield mm -hmm. was really painful. It was just even in a con even with all the context of we know this isn't really the Ravens, even with all the things I keep saying, it was still painful to watch a quarterback with a noodle arm be able to convert multiple long conversion situations with the game on the line, and the that one just sort of was glaring. I get it, Deontay Johnson's a a tricky player, man, to defend. He's a tricky player. He's a nice player. Um, you can't. You, you got to be able to be sure. And that's what Jimmy Smith's supposed to be able to do, right? Like that's. 
That's why we talk about him as a safety is because we think that he can handle tackling and and making those types of plays. All he needed to do was be over there to make the play, and, and he didn't. And so it was significant with the game on the line, and it stands out. He's my number four. Tony Jefferson is my number four for the exact same reason. Yeah. On third and seven on the game-winning drive, he had Fryermuth blanketed in coverage. Yep, he didn't even, that's he fair. Didn't even get a hand up. The guy gets 14 yards, and they end up going down and, and getting the game-winning score. It's certainly fair. A big spot, play that needed to be made that wasn't made, no doubt about it. Um, Brandon Stevens is my number three. You know, I, I like Brandon Stevens. I think Brandon Stevens showed enough signs to me that I'm positive about him as a, on the whole mm-hmm. this season. He was being asked to do more then he's ready to be doing right now. Um, hmm. Oh, Brian Powell does point this out. Adafi Owe was inactive yesterday. Was he really? That's your answer. I, I got to be honest with you. I had no idea. I didn't know that either. I did not know that. I'm being completely honest with you. And I, I just don't pay attention. I did not know he was inactive. So Thank ta- you, Brian I, Powell. I got to take him off my list. Yeah, you're going to have to put somebody else on your okay. list. All right. Yeah, you're going to have to put somebody else on your <laughs> list. Pal. I had no. <laughs> that would explain why I didn't. Honest call. to God. I, and it's funny because I, it's just not something that I thought about as the day went on. And I was like, I, that's why I'm not going to be critical of him. But I did not know he was inactive. I usually Sorry. get texts that tell me the Ravens inactives. And I didn't get one. Well, there you go. There you go. You have to fix that. Uh, anyway, Brandon Stevens is my number three. Uh, my number three is Patrick Queen. Uh, th- look, he, he makes plays every week. Mm, playing yeah, the backfield the, was tremendous. The, the athleticism is off the charts, but he just misses so many tackles. Where he, he where he doesn't break down, he over-pursues, and he slides right off a guy. It happened multiple times. It happened on that play in the backfield. He slid off the guy, and Bowser had to make the tackle. It, he just he misses too much. I mean, I look, you know, it's, it's a different conversation. I would like for I, – I am I – am, I think overall it was a positive year for Patrick Queen. It was. I think overall it was a positive year. I think that some of that is recalibrating expectations, and he he ain't Micah Parsons, you know. He ain't insert name here. There is room for growth in how the Ravens use him, and the coverage is eternally going to be an issue, man. Like I. I think that's one of the things that that maybe because we are so zeroed in on the Ravens, it might be that every team across the NFL would say, dude, the players are different now. The linebacker coverage is an issue everywhere. Even the good linebackers just don't cover well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't don't know how Fred Warner covers. I don't know how Quan Alexander covers. I just don't pay enough attention to those teams to know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. My number two is uh, Hollywood Brown. You, it's a touchdown. That's the difference in four points right there in a game that ended up tied at the end of regulation. That's way too significant. That ball's there. You know, for as bad as Tyler Huntley was yesterday, that play was there to be made. It's not on Greg Roman. You guys that keep it, they should have run the they, they, three three plays in the three-yard line, and they didn't run the ball once. Instead, they threw a touchdown. I, I don't – you guys are – you're so lost in your hate – and it, they threw a touchdown. Guy dropped it. That ain't on Greg Roman. And then when that happened, they had no choice but to throw the ball on third down because they didn't have a timeout at that point. On the whole, the totality of plays that they had, yes, I probably would have run the ball more, and I probably would have run the ball at some point inside the 10 when they had their timeouts. They got a penalty that gave them more plays. But specifically, they had a touchdown. A wide-open any NFL receiver has to make this play touchdown. And the play wasn't made. And you can bitch about Greg Roman all you want. 
but you can't change that reality. Hollywood Brown is number two. Hollywood Brown is number two for me also for that and many other reasons. Uh, If you look at that touchdown drop, the hands were in a position to try and make a basket catch when they should have been open to the to the quarterback for a hands catch. And I've been saying this about Hollywood Brown all year. I don't even like to call him Hollywood because nothing he does says Hollywood. Uh, he, he catches with his body. If he's not catching the ball with his body, he's not catching the ball. And you can see it in times when the balls get knocked away. It's when he tries to catch it with his hands underneath for a basket catch and somebody just hits the bottom of his hands and knocks the ball. And it happened yesterday on a critical play on the sideline I, as well. I, you're generalizing too much. It, the idea that he does – he's made plenty yeah, – is he as strong of a hands catcher as other players are? No, right? right? But to say that he only catches the ball when he catches with his body is not true either. It, yeah, it's not. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like, it's, I understand that he's yeah. made, made catches with his hands. Yep. But by and large, when he has drops, it's when it's a hands catch and he doesn't catch it. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, the drops that he has, it's more likely. I don't and disagree with that. The, 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 the side, the, he's a one-trick pony. And that, po- that, that trick isn't very good right now. It, it, I, I'm uncomfortable with that, too. I think that's diminishing a lot of the things that we've seen from Hollywood Brown. But I get it, right? Like, I get that I don't think he's at the top echelon. I think he's a very good and a highly productive NFL receiver. Um, and that's a good thing to have in an organization that hasn't had a lot of them over the years. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, of the, of the two guys, I'm more excited about Rashad Bateman because of his skill set. But they haven't figured out how to use him. There hasn't been a comfort level in this offense with Rashad Bateman yet, so I don't know what the Ravens do long-term related to that. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown has worked within this offense. Yes, there have been disappointments, but he's worked. He's been highly productive within what the Baltimore Ravens have been doing. Um, hasn't scored his touchdown since the, game, the first I, game against Cincinnati. I, I hear it. I mean, they also... I don't know if you noticed. There are a lot of problems. There are yeah, a lot no, of problems. I here. get it, but... Um, I expect better out of a first I'm, round wide receiver. I'm with you. I'm with you. He was number two on my list too, and obviously Tyler Huntley's number one. Look, man, you know. I, I, at one point yesterday, I said this is so bad that I got to think about whether or not I can really trust him as my backup quarterback next season. I don't really mean that, and which isn't to say that with all the draft picks they have, if the Ravens found some quarterback in the sixth round that they were in love with that they thought could be a productive player in the NFL, I would say don't draft him. Right? Like I don't think there's anything wrong. Guys get hurt. I don't think there's anything wrong with having one more. And if you get through training camp and say, dude, this guy's really good, no offense to Tyler Huntley, he's better than that. I just, I don't think Tyler Huntley is more than, at best, a, it'd be unfair to call him a replacement level player because a replacement level player, I think, is. What we're seeing in the Ravens secondary. No, I, I think at the quarterback position, Case Keenum is a replacement level player. And I don't think Tyler Huntley's as good as Case Keenum. Neither do I. I think Tyler Huntley is a low-level NFL quarterback. And that doesn't mean there aren't things that he does that are better than other guys. Like, he gets the ball out quickly. That's a good thing. He has more athleticism. That's a good thing. They definitely should have been running him more. For sure they should have been running him more. To the Trying to get him to the outside with the runs. They were trying to run him in the middle a few times. Um I think he can be your backup quarterback. I think you're okay if he's your backup quarterback. But the reality is the reality. There's there's almost no backup quarterback that you're going to survive with playing six games. It's There's a reason why these guys are backup quarterbacks. I mean, short of somebody being a, you know, a Lamar Jackson-like situation, sort of drafting a quarterback. You know, Davis Mills was a backup quarterback when the, the season began. Davis Mills 
has upside. Davis Mills is a guy that some people thought was a was was a borderline late first round talent, right? Mm-hmm. Like that just happened to, to linger a little bit when when Houston grabbed him. Davis Mills looked pretty good. There's a lot to like about Davis Mills. There's real reason to think that like if you're Houston, maybe try to get a veteran, but if you come back with Davis Mills, you have a reason to think you can win. You know, Tyler Huntley's not that guy. Yeah. And it's a reality. It's a bummer. It'd be neat if he was, but he's just not. And that's okay. That's okay. It's an unfair expectation for him. See, I actually thought Tyler Huntley played pretty well yesterday. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm just, no, he, no, was he, he was bad. The throws he missed were yep. just, were really just bad. awful. Really bad yesterday. All right, those are slaps. Paul fix his, and we'll get them up at uh, glenclarkradio.com. Do you want to call Jeremy now? Do you want to go ahead and do that, and then we'll take a break afterwards? Yeah, let's get That's let's, fine. Let's we can that. do that. Today's show is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. That's going to continue. Unlike fantasy football, underdog fantasy football continues because you can still play those player props and those parlays, and you can still, um, oh boy, you can you can still get in on the weekly fantasy games, and they do other sports too. They do basketball, they do hockey. If baseball ever happens, you can play underdog baseball, and we're giving you free money when you sign up. Use the code PRESSBOX, and when you deposit up to $100, we'll match it with free money for you to play with. Download the Underdog app. Go to underdogfantasy.com. While we're excited that you can legally bet in Maryland, it's still going to be a while before you can bet on your phone or your computer, but you can play Underdog Fantasy football and feel like you're betting. It's Monday. Let's check in with Jeremy Kahn. Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. is picks every day at pressboxonline.com. What's going on, brother? How are you? What's up, man? I'm good. Um, do you like, okay, betting week 18 of the NFL season, how, how do you possibly bet and succeed in a week where you have absolutely no idea who's trying and who might play? Well, I mean, so the key is you just got to find the spots where there are teams that you expect to try. Um, you know, perfect example is if you, like I was on the under in the Cowboys game and that was just fully because I expected both teams, nothing to play for to try it out their second string offense, maybe Dak plays a half or a quarter, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of what we saw in Green Bay, and then you, you move to your backups, and and then you're running very vanilla offense. It's just to get the hell out of Dodge and hopefully avoid any any injuries. Now, that's what I expected in the Dallas game. didn't happen. And, and the thing that I said on my show yesterday is that the key to, to success in a Week 18 format is to cross off all the games that, that really is the true definition of gambling, where there's so many unknowns. Like, we want... We want known commodities. We want to know who the quarterback's going to be, who the receivers are going to be, and then know that they play for four quarters. There's obviously things you can't handicap, like turnovers, special teams. I mean, you know when you have a bad special teams uh, team, and, and then, of course, you know, all the other things you're looking at. So, like, my top play was the Saints, which, you know, I even got lucky in that because Taysom Hill got hurt and Trevor Simeon came in, and they were still fine against an Atlanta team that's just terrible. Um, but you may have run your, like I had Cleveland minus, uh, five and a half and they ended up winning by five. So there's some bad breaks there and things, but you try to find teams that have something to play for. Yeah. Um, that's fair. And, and I attempted to, and I had a miserable week. I had yeah. a really mes- miserable week when it came to betting and I should know better than to bet in week 18 of the NFL season. It's just sort of what it is. I mean, it's it's rough because, like, you're again. It, it's not a foregone conclusion. Like I was telling people, the prop bets. Like there were certain things to look at. Like yep. Gronk reached his prop uh, or reached the numbers he needed to and, and beat his prop. I was talking about Mark Andrews. He was a great target regardless, but 
you know, he needed 130 yards to have the greatest season a tight end's ever had receiving yards wise. Um, and he got 80 some, but his prop was 69 and a half, 70 and a half, depending on where you saw it. Uh, so those were valuable ones. Cooper Cup didn't reach either one of his. Um, even though the number was inflated, I still thought it was a good bet. And the fact that it went to overtime, you're kind of, yeah. well, maybe there's a chance here that they get there. Uh, there are plenty of other ones that, that you could have looked at um, and just trying to find, like sometimes it's about the, the props and looking at, you know, guys that are in good situations. Like I talked about Alvin Kamara a ton yesterday saying, look, they're going to run all over Atlanta. And sure enough, he did. And maybe he got helped out a little bit when Taysom Hill went out of the game. But but still, those are those are like things that I would look at to try to have success. There's no... There's no perfect science to it, but the best thing is just eliminating games where you have no idea what's going to happen. All right, where are you with the um, – we get to the end of the season. There, I, It feels like there's two serious you know, th- trains of thought when it comes to the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens. The first is, you know, the answer is very simple. They lost half their roster. This is what happens when you lose half of a roster. There's no reason to make any sort of drastic changes. Get your players healthy. Come back. Try to run it back again because you felt pretty good about where you were coming into this year. And then there's the other train of thought, which is there's panic in the streets. This is a franchise that's won one playoff game in the last seven years. Um, It's never okay to lose six straight games. You had opportunities to win them. Serious changes are needed. Which one are you I love closer when we to? cut it off at such a weird number like seven. Right, it because it fits, it fits the narrative. Exactly right. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I, I, look, I get it. At some well, point I mean, and look, some, it, by the way, it's also similarly true that since winning the Super Bowl, they've won two playoff games total, right? Yeah. Like, that's not, it's not inaccurate. It's just, you know, there's context that's necessary. Yeah, it just, it fits your narrative. It's like when I, like, you know, in gambling, people give out trends. They're like, oh my God, in this situation, uh, the underdog is 14 and three against the spread. Well, why did we only go back 17 times? Why didn't we, right. what happened? To, right. You know, like, it's just, it's just kind of a weird thing. Um, you know, when I, when I look at the team, I, I don't think there's reason for panic. Um, the one thing that I, I wasn't thrilled about, but I felt like, I, look, I'm a contrarian in nature, so when everybody's on one side, usually I'm trying to go the other way unless it's just an obvious thing. Like, I think obviously we should all look at Antonio Brown and realize he's a jackass. Like, we shouldn't just be defending him blindly, but mental illness is a serious issue, but this guy's got all kinds of problems. When it comes to the Ravens, like, I, I'm a big proponent. Like, I've talked about Greg Roman. I'm not a fan. I think he's phenomenal in the running game. But this isn't all his fault either. So, and just everybody's starting to pile on, pile on, pile on, um, you know, with what went on. And, and the, like, there are some people that don't even want to have the on, honest conversation about all the injuries. Like, well, the Titans had more injuries. Well, tell me how many starters they lost. Right. Yeah, they lost Derrick Henry for a good portion of the season. They lost Julio Jones. They lost A.J. Brown for portions of the season. Guess what? They're all back. So, it's not the same as you lost your left tackle week one. You lost your entire running back room uh, before the season started. You you know you lose your um, you know your your starting corners. Uh, you lose a, a Pro Bowl corner before the season starts, and then you lose the other one. Um, you know, with about what? Five yeah, it, it, it's go. ironic, right? Because the Titans set the record for the most players used this season. That's because their players didn't get hurt before the season began. Like if the yeah. if like the Ravens would have set the same record, but their players got hurt before they ever got to play a game this season. Yeah, and, and, like, people can call it excuses, but, like, I think there's a big difference between excuses and reasons. Like, sometimes the reasons are, are factors of what goes on. People that are making – like, I would make excuse when I lost a bad bet. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, right. can you believe this? Right. Yeah, that, that's an excuse. Like, but there are legitimate reasons when you look at the team and why they struggled. And, you know, I have people go, well, they were 8-3 and three and they were on top. Yeah, but they, they lost every game down the stretch. They lost – they lost four games by five points, and now you can go five games by a total of eight points. It's absurd. There was that one thing that was out there, and again, I'm, 
I'm probably going to be a little off here where the Ravens were, I think it was 17 points away from being the number one seed. Yeah, and, and 27 points, points yeah, away whatever, from yeah. being the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. You know, just it's it's been a weird year. Yep, 100%. I mean, and and look, I am I've said a million times, Jeremy, I I am I'm mostly indifferent towards Greg Roman. I I certainly don't dislike him, but people think because I don't that means I'm apologist for him and I'm sure as f not that either. I'm a realist mm-hmm. about it. The to me the reality related to Greg Roman is the actual results say Greg Roman is an outstanding offensive coordinator. Now, there is, there's limitations to it. He's not going to do. If you think the Ravens are going to, should be a team that throws the ball 40 times a game, there is no world in which Greg Roman should be your offensive coordinator. Like, he just doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I, the comparison I make, it's like if Meek Mill's record label walked into him and said, you should be a country singer now. Like, the, you, you just don't do that. If the Ravens think that they need to be a different type of offense, then they have to have a different offensive coordinator there's no there's no it's it's a very simple thing that they sit down and they say do we want to keep doing this well if you want to keep doing this there's nobody that does it better than he does if you want to do something else he can't do that so it's a very black and white thing to me the Baltimore Ravens got to sit down and say what do we want to do this that's the only part where I struggle with an answer Jeremy because I I hear the argument for doing something different but we don't know that doing something different works, right? Like, yeah. it, it might. Yeah, I guess, no, and, and to your point, too, like, it, it all of a sudden, like, if you agree with the masses and you say things, like, I'm not, it's not take the guy out into, uh, you know, the town and, and burn him at the stake or anything, and I feel like that's where, like, I've heard people say, fire Harbaugh, fire Wink, I mean, fire everyone, get rid sense. of everyone. You know, it's just like, uh, the, the, the whole thing drives me nuts. It's like when we talked about Huntley, too, we go back to him, I think he's the best of the bunch of the second-string quarterbacks that we've talked about, and I think there's there's probably a future for him in this league playing at some level, um, whereas I don't believe that with a lot of backup players that people sit here and scream about. But again, he had two good games, and everybody's like, well, you can get rid of Lamar now, and then you watch him two more times, and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I want him starting for my team. It's like, guys, if you have a known commodity that you've seen for three years, and this has been the worst year, they've had more injuries than anything else, he's been hit more times than he has been in his entire career, yeah, there are probably factors and reasons why he didn't play well going along with the other injuries and all the things that have happened. It all plays out. But, you know, people jump to conclusions so quickly and make up their mind because of what just happened. That doesn't make it how it's going to be forever going down the line. And the same thing with, like, Greg Roman. I, I think he's a phenomenal running game, figuring things out, setting it up. The questions I have, like, I don't understand the pass, the, the route combinations these receivers run. Uh, I'm constantly seeing two guys in the same area. I don't like some of the play calls. And this isn't me. Like, I hate people that are matter-of-fact. It's it's not like, oh, my God, he threw an incomplete pass. Why did you call that play? Like, to me, I want to look at the play saying, right. was it there? Did the quarterback notice it? Was it picked up properly? Did the receiver run a wrong? I mean, well, to so your point, right. They, we don't know. You, you, people, they were, they were having success with the run in the second half, so now you're not allowed to throw the ball ever again, which is insane. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Like, the, Football does not work that way. It that's that's nuts. And to comp- if your criticism of Greg Roman is Tyler Huntley's interception, you're stupid. Rashad yeah. Bateman is standing wide open, wide ass open on that play. And for some reason, and I'm I'm not I'm not sh- you know Tyler Huntley is future in the league. I I think he's a I'm more of the opinion that he's a mid-level backup at best, right? But I'm, that's okay. You know, like, he's a backup quarter. I think he's proven that he can be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, 
I just don't think I you just can... started to think about you saying wide ass open, and I wanted to make sure that wasn't in my search history. Um, so. <laughs> um, but you, but you know what I mean, right? Like yeah. that play worked. The the quarterback insanely threw it into triple coverage in the end zone when he's got Rashad Bateman wide open for a huge gain. See, I, I wish more people paid attention to a lot of the stuff that goes on after the game when guys answer questions. Like there was a perfect. A couple weeks ago, I, th- I may have even brought it up on your show, where Jalen Hurts, ah, it was brilliant, somebody right? asked him about, like, what happened on this play because Dallas Goddard, nobody picked him up. Like, he was standing in the end zone by himself, and they had to settle for a field goal down near the goal line, and Hurts never saw him. And he's like, my progression was to the left side of the field. Like, we were looking at all these guys coming open, and I never made it back. Like, he explained how the whole thing played yep. out, and he goes, I got to be better. I got to notice that quicker yep. that nobody was on him. And those, these are all acceptable answers. Guys are, are allowed to make mistakes. They're allowed to throw interceptions, fumble the ball, have brain farts at this level. It's just a matter of does it become um, does it become a constant where they're doing it every week? If they're not learning from it, then dismiss them. Like, hey, man, we can't. I can't play with you on my team because you're not getting better when you make mistakes. Man, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, I I can't I can't fault Greg. Everybody's screaming yesterday about, you know, you ran the ball three times, in the, or you threw the ball three times in the three-yard line. Well, the second one was a touchdown. Like, the second one, Marquise Brown had a touchdown in the end zone. So, yeah, would I probably have run the ball? I probably would. But what are you mad about? Like, they, they threw a touchdown. The guy just dropped so that's, it. That's like my argument when we go back to, because it just happened in another game with the Packers, although Aaron Rodgers loves to throw at the one-yard line. Right. Oregon. But, but, you know, you go back to that Marshawn Lynch Super Bowl where everybody thought about why didn't you give Lynch the ball, and people fail to realize, like, they don't, and I agree that he should have gotten the ball one time there, but you don't expect to throw an interception on second down because let's say they run it on second down in the Super Bowl, um, then they have to use their timeout, so the next two plays, well, at least the third down play is definitely going to be a pass because if you run it and don't get in, you run out of time. So at some point they had to throw it on one of those downs. My question is, why do you throw inside the field and not outside, you know, to where it's my guy gets it or nobody gets it if you're going to run a play, a pass play, or why don't you roll your quarterback out and have him decide, hey, I can run it or I can throw it. Um, you know, there there are legitimate questions of, about stuff like that. Like when I was watching the game yesterday, I'm sitting there saying, I'm going to run the ball in one of these plays, and they didn't. But you're 100% right. It's results-driven because Hollywood, it, that's a touchdown. He's got to catch it. He's got to come down with it. That's a fact. They designed a play that scored a touchdown. The players failed to execute it. I, I, yep. I don't know what we're mad about. Like, like the two-point conversion in uh, Pittsburgh. Right, the play it worked. Was fantastic. It was wide open. Just it worked. T.J. Watt ruined it because they didn't block him. Yep, so. 100%. All right. Um, there are, I guess, let me let me start with this. What, what do you think about tonight? Where are you with tonight's game? I love Georgia. I mean, the numbers, if you look at history, history tells you when these teams meet up again the second time in the championship, that usually the team that lost it the first time wins the second time around. Now, I'm not saying that's a golden reason to go off it. If we're going to sit here, these are the two best teams in college football, and I've said all year long, doesn't make me right, but I thought there was one and two, and then there was everybody else. So from in my estimation, I didn't care who got into the postseason because I thought no matter which team it was, Alabama would handle business, Georgia would handle business, and that came to fruition. Um, I just if, if I'm going to critique, I think Alabama has some slight issues on the offensive line that I think Georgia can take advantage of. Georgia has the best freshman tight end in the history of college football. When you look at uh, what Bowers can do, um, he's a guy I keep my eye on. Last game, he had 10 catches against them. And I just think it's a perfect bounce-back spot. And I understand the history of how good Nick Saban's been in these moments. And, 
you know, betting against him and all these things. But it's I'm not going to sit here and go off a track record because this guy's won, 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 won all these times. He's also lost a couple along the way. And I just think Georgia's the better overall team. So I think they win tonight. All right. By more than a field goal. All right. I don't I don't like that because I put a couple shekels on Alabama because I sort of <laughs> well, have good a, luck, man. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, right. Well, I have this, you know, like personal rule that I have the opportunity to, to get points with Alabama. Why in the F would I not be taking points? This is yeah. Alabama that we're talking about, and, right? And look, I, I, me telling you I like Georgia. It's, yeah. just, it's a feel that I have for the game. The weird thing is there's a ton of money coming on Alabama, and then the line has switched. So it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. This isn't the, as I talk about, reverse line movement. Let's say – you know, for example, um, all this money's coming in on Alabama, so the the number was at three, and then it drops to two and a half. That means the line's moving correctly. If all this money was coming in on Alabama and the line goes to three and a half, then that tells you there's some sharp money and some heavy betters, heavy hitters that are putting money on Georgia. So um, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer for tonight. I just think Georgia's the better play. Personally. Okay. Okay. And then what do you like? Where are you with the now that we've got the teams that we got in the postseason? Where are you with like? Who are the actual like I know who the favorites are betting reasons but like mm-hmm. who's actually winning this now? Like who's I, actually going to win? I have no idea. Yeah. And like I I usually at the at the when the playoffs are set up and I look at the format, who's going to play who, um I usually have like oh I feel really good about this team and this team to make a run. And now as it stands, I'm looking at the teams and I'm going I there's nobody in the NFC I trust and I I said this on the morning show. I said the team that I I feel the strongest about is the Cowboys, and I can't believe I'm saying that. I, I like I don't even know if I believe that honestly, because you know everybody's talking about Green Bay and how good they look. Go look at who Green Bay played and how many times they played down to the level of their opponent and almost lost games. Cleveland, Baltimore, um, you know, even Detroit had uh, early on this season that the game was interesting for a while before they pulled away. There's so many of these spots that you can look at. Oh, I don't know what just happened to Jeremy there. All of a sudden, we just lost him. We'll try to get him back. Jeremy Kahn with us here on Glenn Clark Radio as he is every Monday. I am I am absolutely sharing this opinion that I have no idea, none. What I I know who we're saying that like you got to go through Green Bay. Okay, well the Green Bay's been at home before and it hasn't made a difference. Tampa still has Tom Brady. I don't know if you heard, he's Tom Brady. I still think the Rams are formidable, but you know, I it's hard for me to put them right there with Green Bay and Tampa Bay. I think they're a, you know, the third of the group right now. I do think that for the most part we believe that the NFC representative is going to come from one of those three teams. I have no idea in the AFC. And I, by the way, to the point that I you guys are talking about how much you're certain that Pittsburgh's going and getting their asses kicked next year by Kansas City. That makes one of us. Kansas City just needed a miracle to beat Denver on Saturday. I know how limited Pittsburgh is. I know that Ben Roethlisberger can't throw the football downfield. But I don't have great reason to have super faith in Kansas City either. I think they win the game. But to cover a big number? You got more faith than I do. Let's bring Jeremy back in here to wrap this up. Yeah, I don't know where you lost me, man. I don't know, I don't know either. I have no idea. I, I, I thought it was something I said. Um, look, I just... I, I think that the, the NFC... At the end of the day, you've got Green Bay at home, and then one team is Tom Brady, right? So mm-hmm. I, I ultimately would probably be surprised if it wasn't one of those two teams. Um, I don't See, think, it, and I'm not. I, I think both of those teams have a ton of warts. Like, I, I agree. Know. I agree. Yeah. I just think that those, those two things they have going for them—Green Bay being at home and Tampa having Tom Brady. 
my gut tells me one of those things mm-hmm. wins out, right? Like yeah. that it's, I mean, it's, they're two of the most important pieces you could have. Exactly. And those guys are, you know, first ballot guys, uh, and still playing like it. Whereas big Ben's a first ballot guy, not playing very much not you know? playing like it in yeah. the AFC, man, I-, I can make just as good of an argument for Buffalo as I can for Tennessee or Kansas city. Um, I probably could still make an argument for New England. It's tougher to see, right? Like six weeks ago, I thought it was a sure thing. It's tougher for me to see New England at this point. I, 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 but they still have Bill Belichick, right? Like at the end of the day, that they still have that. It's tough for me to make an argument for the Raiders. It's almost impossible to make an argument for the Steelers. But I still think there's four, maybe five teams that I can make an argument for in the AFC, legitimately having a chance to to make a run. I got news for you. If you ask me to pick today, I think I might pick Tennessee and Dallas, which I know it sounds wow. ridiculous, but wow. I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't like if if Derrick Henry comes back and he's as close to a hundred no, percent as he can right. be. They're tough. I, I think that's a tough out, especially with how their defense played since like week six, week seven. Um, but yeah, there's no there's no surefire locks here that this is going to happen. Like I, 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 for me, I would be looking for odds. I just feel like Tennessee's the number one team, and I and I almost feel like everyone's overlooking them. Um, where they, again, they went through a lot of injuries. They did a lot of things. They, they were fortunate they didn't lose a lot of key pieces for the entire season. But to me, they're a team that being at home and that fan base will be good. They'll show up. Yep. Um, I just think running game and their, their front I, seven I agree. are playing better than anyone. I, I think it's – boy, I, and I, I know that for the most part, Ryan Tannehill's played well the last couple of years. But I do think that when people talk about it, it's the ultimate – what happens when the game's on the line and you need Ryan Tannehill to deliver for you? And, you know, what happens then? And I think it's a fair thing to, to point out, right? Like, we just don't know. Um, yeah. I, 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 am, I think it's weird how dismissive we've been of Buffalo, too. I just think it's weird, right? Like, they have completely flown under the radar. Um, given the fact that they were one of the top teams in the league a year ago, they... They came in with all the expectations. I get it that it hasn't been quite as sharp from Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs as it was a season ago, but I still like Buffalo, man. I really do. I really still like Buffalo. We'll see. Yeah, all I right. think that's who I'm going to be pulling for. But um, Yeah, you know, you know again, it's, we were just talking about that. I think I might be too. I haven't decided that, but I think that I might end up saying I'm a Buffalo guy at some point this this Yeah, week. there's people in every fan base that piss you off, and you're like, man, I don't yeah. like them. I don't, yeah, I don't want this. But, I don't want that. And, and – I, you know, I'm listening to you, but the fact of the matter is, that fan base is a great fan base. Right. They deserve better than they've got. I yeah. agree. I it's a weird thing where like I'm coming around to the idea that that might be who I'm rooting for. I'm going to keep thinking about that. I'll probably write about it later this week, but that might be who I'm rooting for. We'll think about that. All right, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, all the guys back together this week. Finally, oh, that's, um, that's good, right? Ed just in time six. for the Big Ravens playoff match. <laughs> yeah, just, just in time for that. So. No, we finished up our final Monday morning quarterback, and obviously I think tomorrow we start diving into um, you know, all the different uh, playoff matchups and talking about who we like, what we think is going to happen, and it'll be a big focus tomorrow on the national championship, of course, and you know the big talk about the Orioles leaving our, our airwaves and going elsewhere, and um, so it, people are saying, like, hey, it's spring training. Well, how long until pitchers yeah. and catchers report? We don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we so, but no again, there's, we're in the middle of a lockout, right? So we don't know. Not <laughs> a clue. Not a single yeah. clue. All right, at JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. The good news for you and I is we don't have to keep talking about sports every week now. We, yeah, can, we can get, get into back the to more talking about stuff. Like, yeah. uh, last, week, uh, last week I did a story and I posted. I actually tagged my dad in it where it was a father and son that are posing nude together. Oh, right, yeah, I saw that. On OnlyFans making money. 
My dad said he's in. Now I got to figure out what to do with that information. I mean, bro, bro, this yeah. is a big moment. You might be not I mean, be you're doing. You're not going to not get Randy Jackson's <laughs> autograph. Didn't you yeah, just right. say your contract was coming up at the radio station too? Yeah, this could end up being serendipitous. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Guess what this guy's doing now? Is that his dad? Why does he look oh, older man. than his dad? <laughs> That's tremendous. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next Thanks, Monday. Man. Thank you, pal. Jeremy Kahn right. joining us here on GCR. Yeah, we settle into the. Uh, the off season, and we'll see. Look again, there could be big news this week. Could be that the Ravens, you know, do move on from from a coordinator, and if they do, then that'll be a, a big prominent story that we'll be following. And you know how they end up replacing it. We'll we'll be on top of that. If they don't, if they retain both their coordinators, it might be a while till we get the next significant piece of news related to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, at some point, they'll go to work on the Lamar Jackson situation. They're, they will have the opportunity to try to, to get ahead of free agency with a couple of guys and sign guys before they become free agents. Um, but it, might, it just might be a while before we have really meaty news related to the Baltimore Ravens. Winding down on today's program, it's also been brought to you by the Best Of issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. He's Justin Tucker. He's our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he's on the cover. He was on 60 Minutes last night. Um, John Wertheim did a really nice piece. We invite John Wertheim on the show, by the way. I like John. John's a, he's very good. And, um, I also like talking tennis with him. There's a crazy situation in Australia, man. That is nuts. They're like they they, they uh, another court overturns. So Novak Djokovic is now allowed to stay. They can't kick him out of the country. Mm-hmm. But like apparently, one somebody there's one person in Australia who's allowed to like singularly exile you. Like they have the right to say no, get out. And if they do, you can't come back for three years. So this guy could decide that Novak Djokovic has got to leave. And then if he does, he can't come back and play next year. Like he wow. can't come back to the country for three years. It's bonkers dude what's going on down there nobody cares that seems so archaic well but like the whole situation is so nuts like what are the nobody can tell me what the actual rules are like if the rule is just you can't come if you're not vaccinated you can't come in okay well if he's not vaccinated he can't come in end of story but it's not that it's like you can get an exemption but nobody really knows how you get an exemption and what you're allowed to get an exemption for and everybody's mad about it everybody's mad because now if you give this guy an exemption, well, why couldn't I get an exemption? Because you're not Novak Djokovic. And that's essentially what the answer is. But apparently some other players that aren't Novak Djokovic also got exemptions to come into the tournament. It's, dude, it's bonkers. It's a bonkers story that there is no correct answer to. Anyway, what there is a correct answer to is picking up this free issue of Pressbox at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, or reading it all, pressboxonline.com slash of. Come back in, get a tidbit and tribute to wrap it up. It's a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com 
from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel. And, of course, the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Sports fans, the wait is over. You can watch all the games and bet on all the action at their self-service kiosks. And while hanging out in the best seat in the house, it's such a great place. Live Casino and Hotel, the FanDuel Sportsbook. Sports and social, great food, screens everywhere, games to be played, and, of course, those great self-service kiosks for you to make your bets at Live Casino and Hotel. In yesterday's finale, Latavius Murray rushed for 150 yards on 16 carries, including a 46-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. With the effort, he became just the 10th Raven all-time to rush for 150 yards in a single game. Who are the other nine, and which four did it multiple times? All right, give me that one more. So 150 yards. Uh, 150 yards rushing in a single game. Ten Ravens, including Latavius right. Murray, have done it Ten. all time. So who are the other yep. nine, and who are the four who have done it multiple times? Okay, so Jamal Lewis has done it multiple times. He's number one on the list with eight. Um. I assume Ray Rice has done it multiple He's times. He's number two on the list with five. I'll say Willis McGahey. Um, he is number seven on the list. He did, it, he did it one, one time. time. I'll say Priest Holmes did it multiple times. He is number four on the list tied uh, with um, two. 
I will say that. Uh, I will say Justin Forsett is on the list. He is tied with Priest Hall yeah. with two. So that's all the guys who did it multiple times. Okay, now who did it once? <laughs> um, I feel like I'm just naming Ravens backs at this point. And it doesn't have to be. Oh, right, because Lamar Jackson, <laughs> sure, right, of course. Yep. Uh, LeBron McLean. No. Okay. I'm only surprised because I thought everybody got to 150 yards in the Dallas game because they all had 80-yard <laughs> runs. Um, okay, so uh, uh, Gus Edwards. You and Proctor both just said Edwards, not Edwards. Okay. How about... Uh, I don't remember him. This is the problem. Is I'm going to say guys, and I just don't... Terrence West. No. Nope. I don't remember him doing it. I don't remember... Eric Rett. No. Um, Chester Taylor. No. Two um, of these guys, you got to go way back. One of them, not so much. I don't remember J.K. Dobbins doing it, but J.K. Dobbins. He did it against Cincinnati in the final game last year. He um, ran for 160 yards. Asking me to remember what happened in a final game, man. Damn, I do not remember that whatsoever. But it was okay. like, remember he had like that 80-plus yard touchdown where he stepped uh, on the Maybe I guys. vaguely remember that. Maybe I vaguely remember that. I sure as hell don't remember Ricky Williams doing it. Um because he didn't. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think Kenneth Dixon did it, but I don't think Buck Allen did it. But he had a huge game where he was uh, uh, catching the ball. He had like yeah. a, a 20 catch game. Oh, Bam Morris is a good guess, Proctor. Bam Morris. He did it one time. They I all did it one I time. I don't remember that. I don't remember a big game for Bam Morris. And then this last guy, if you just want to call Jay, quits. Jay Graham. Jay Graham. Okay. I don't even remember Jay no, Graham. Jay Graham was from Tennessee. There was a lot of hope for Jay Graham when he came into the league. He was part of those really good Tennessee teams. Um, like before Jamal, he was the running back before Jamal at Tennessee, okay. and he was a hell of a player, but just never really worked out. He, he did it one time. All right, I don't remember that, but I'll believe you. <laughs> I will believe you. Tubular is brought to you today by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop service center. Ask for Mobile One. Uh, ESPN and then all the ESPN networks for the college football playoff championship game tonight: Georgia and Alabama at eight. Um, there's all sorts of different broadcasts that you can watch for the, the championship game. Um, you know, the Homer broadcast, the the coach. I think the word is that like instead of getting a bunch of different coaches because of COVID reasons, they're just having it be Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M staff is the coaches broadcast for one. But they're doing all the, the silly things they do. Um, but the main broadcast on ESPN tonight, eight o'clock for Georgia Alabama. ESPN Plus tonight, that's where you'll find me, Bucknell and Loyola. I've got that one at 7 o'clock. Then Navy Lafayette as well at 7. Morgan's at South Carolina State at 7.30. Uh, you can watch it on South Carolina State's website. Hmm, CBS Sports Network has Boston University and American at 7. NBC Sports Washington, Bruins Capitals at 7. NBA TV, Bucks Hornets at 7. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Dude, it is the slimmest of pickings for tonight. There's only two networks airing new pr new stuff, nothing streaming new. Um, so the best I got for you is the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, and he has uh, John Cena on Oh, tonight. I do love me some John Cena. I do appreciate that. Oh, because that uh, HBO show is coming out. Yeah. The, hell, the Peacemaker, is that yeah. what that's called? I can't tell if I think that looks good or not. I can't. Like, I love uh, The Boys on Amazon. I'm, mm -hmm. all, I'm all in on that one. 
I don't know what is this like a real superhero thing or is this that like I don't know what this is. It's been know. difficult I, for me to figure this out. It is really really hard for me to get on board with John Cena the actor. I uh, could do it with The Rock. Well, with, I mean, okay, but I don't like. I thought that what was the the Cockblockers movie was all that, right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I thought that was a. I mean, I don't think it was a classic, but I thought it was a fun. If I was a younger person, it'd be the type of movie that like I probably would remember lines from because mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a really fun movie. And I like his his little bit parts, like when he was in that movie Trainwreck with Amy. Oh, yeah, what, I love that. Yeah, he's I thought like, that was great. I, he's like, Mark Wahlberg, I look like the dude that ate yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I like that a lot, yeah. actually. I was, his uh, was bit in on parts, that. but a, a, a show starring John Cena, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a I, shot. I think I've accepted John Cena as being a legitimate actor at this point. Um, with with limitations, you know, in the... I think he might be more legitimate. Dave Batista has become is is one thing, mm-hmm. and it's what he can do. We haven't seen. Oh, that's not true because he was really good in Stuber. So I'll take that back. See, Dave I, Bat- I refused. I to like watch Stuber. Stuber. I like Stuber. Stuber's good. Is it funny? It's not. You know, brilliant. It's not going to change your life. But again, it's just a fun time sitting okay. and watching a movie. <sighs> you know, I might have just accepted both of them. I might have said to both John Cena and Dave Batista as legitimate I'm, actors. I'm going to have to see the new Fast and Furious movie to see, make that's it. The, none of that does anything for me. Nothing? And not at that's, all. He has a really I know, he's most prominent role. I know. He's significant in it. None of it does a thing for me. Does mm-hmm. not do... I, I have attempted because dudes are into... I thought it was a chick thing, right? Dudes are into Fast and the Furious. I have attempted to watch them. Like, I, it's not even like a... Um, I one time my wife was so desperate to see the stupid um, the vampire movie the 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 Twilight. Oh man! What, I, one I don't remember which one it was, but she was so desperate to see it, and her friend wouldn't go with her. So she was like, "I'll give you a one time anything you want if you go see this movie with me." And I was like, "All right." You know. And I looked at it for a second, and it was the just the the greatest abomination I've ever. I could not. I I was so desperate to fall asleep, and I couldn't fall asleep. Right, like it was just pure hell. I wanted to die watching that. It was that <laughs> painful. Now somebody would say like, "Well, it's because you didn't care about the character." Like, it was ba- it was a bad movie. It was a bad movie. And I, don't, I wish I could tell you which one it was. It was one of the Twilight movies. Um, I've attempted to go to, like on my own to watch the Fast and the Furious flicks. Not like just because she dragged. Like I've attempted on my own because so many people like them to say, "What am I missing?" Mm-hmm. I went to the theater, the one that Ronda Rousey was in. I volunteered to go to the Cinemaplex to watch with her because I wanted to figure out if I was missing something. Like, if there was just more there than... I think it was also the one when Paul Walker died, so there was like a big to-do yeah. about that, right? So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Nope, I'm not missing anything. There's nothing there. It's there's just nothing. It's non. At, at this point, I don't uh, I don't know if I ever watched the movies for the storyline, but at this point, the special effects are why you continue to go see I these. Yes, but I didn't, it's not enough that I can sit and watch yeah. them. I I didn't even think they were all that. Like there was a scene where they like the car drove through the building, mm-hmm. and it was like this in skyscraper yeah, in yeah. Dubai, and I'm like. Eh. Cool, I guess. But it so wasn't. completely and utterly asinine, oh, unrealistic. No doubt, no doubt. Um, uh, Proctor points out that Cena was also good in Suicide Squad. I, I did forget that he had that. The, I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, and then I have not seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and apparently Dave Batista was good in that. So I'm accepting both of them. I am accepting both of good them. Good or just tolerable? Lord and Savior is what I'm doing. I'm accepting Dave Batista as my Lord and Savior, and I, it's a big moment for me. I'm very excited about that. 
Um, but no, I, I think they're both legitimate actors at this point. Roman Reigns hasn't proven that yet. I think he was only in the 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 Hobbs and Shaw yeah. movie. He's got he's got a ways to go if he wants to prove that he can be an actual actor. Hulk Hogan never did. Never proved that he was capable of being a Suburban Commando is a jam. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Uh, Thanks today to Evan Washburn. Thanks also to, um, uh, oh, my God, Mike Nolan. And thanks, of course, to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it up in the Greatest Hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow on the program, it's an annual tradition. Dave Ginsburg will join us to unveil his Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. We have done this for I don't remember how many years now. Um, It always sparks controversy. You guys yell and scream, and I try to challenge him with his votes. I he has already told he gave it away to me. I'll tell you that he gave away to me already who he's voted for. So I'm I'm prepared for it. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Dave Ginsburg will unveil his uh, baseball Hall of Fame ballot on the show tomorrow, and we will have a conversation about that. Uh, also, Patrick Stevens joins us as he does every Tuesday, and of course, stuff and things on tomorrow's show. Thanks today to uh, everybody at PressBox. Thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners. CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, ExxonMobil, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com, as well as my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter, at Paul Valley Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Loyola, go Navy, go Morgan. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.